It is Milestone Eve here at the Chair Shop Podcast as we bring you episode 599, folks. That means you get 500 of those little flake chocolates they put in the ice cream cone while you listen to this. Everyone look under your seat, wherever you're listening to this. We've put a little surprise for you there. Um, no, don't do that, especially if you're on the bus or something. We're not responsible for what you find. That's not a flake. That came out your bum bum. No, that's a chewing gum. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> your pub is uh, a seat, not 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 your personal seat. Ah, sullied it straight away. Straight away. We're barely on the air. 20 seconds. Anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Barry, back this week with my ever-dependable co-host. First of all, there's Paul Griffin talking about his bum. I've actually got a flake under mine. Oh, I don't know what that means. Also with us is Joe. Happy anniversary, everyone! Thirteen yes. years. It's nineteen ninety-seven, and we're uh, about to kick off the Attitude Era of the podcast. <laughs> we, yeah. So, like our 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 um, uh, big numbered uh, fifty uh, uh, multiple episodes always come shortly after our anniversary. This is the anniversary cast. Next week is the big milestone cast. So, you know, this is the it's WrestleMania season, folks, which means you've got your your chair shop podcast celebrating a million different things. Uh, around this time of year um so and we've got quite a rundown as well for this week's show i mean i, I mean we couldn't i mean it can only only be up there from the opening uh, uh segment um uh talking about you know uh, 99s up bums and all that um <laughs> right speaking of which and here's a nice segue a 99 up the bum was actually a finish of the wrestling i was at last week um uh, oh, to one of the no. matches so i can i can segue there into, i have to say i listened to the show last week and listened to these two philistines here <laughs> talking about the 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 true the last the last outlaws the last real alternative in wrestling deathmatch wrestling oh look at us we're all alternative we watch AEW and buy their trading cards <laughs> no boys let me tell you the real alternative is on the streets of Leeds um uh yes I did go to um uh, a deathmatch weekend in in the UK as the boys uh, uh very um uh, sensitively handled last week um it was a a, a local English company and uh, ICW from the New York area doing a joint weekender and uh yeah a buddy of mine was very excited to go i i i have part not partaken no i have not actually done any uh, i've watched my my share of death matches over the year it's never been my um uh, uh my my go-to but i thought it would be an interesting excursion to take um and this was this was the real deal too because we we had we had gone to tnt in liverpool a couple of years ago which you know was cool and you know got to see all the light tubes and, and and various bits and bobs but this was like this was the real deal this thing this was this was uh, properly um depraved um which is what i liked about it uh, yeah no i i had a great time uh, look i won't be um uh, i won't be racing back in may when they are back it's it's not going to be my new my new go-to uh, uh form of wrestling but i have to say i, I had a great time and I think, you know, I, I think it, it certainly is what it is. I will say that you're not really, they're not bucking any trends. Do you know what I mean? I did see the entire roster out smoking fags at intermission every single night, which was great. <laughs> I mean, it was great. It was great. We were, we were out there just for some fresh air, just like, and also to sit down because it was a standing show only. There was like no seats. So we just go out and like sit down in the smoking area and there was the entire roster puffing away, which was great. Um, you know, but I, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I've, I, I do have a, a soft spot for the old death matches. It is, you know, it's, 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 it is certainly um, cheap thrills, but I like cheap thrills. Do you know what I mean? I think it's good. I, I think, and it, it's funny because I think if you, if you don't have a penchant for 
fictional violence like movie violence then definitely this would not be for you because it was it, honestly having been to one a show like this before i i was a little bit surprised at, at at the level it got to it was crazy it was absolutely crazy um which is why i which is why i think i had a great time but i wouldn't exactly be going every week for the rest of my life do you know what i mean i feel like i, I think i had, i think i probably had my fill for a year i would go next year if they came back um uh but no it was great and it was the 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 venue was absolutely teeny tiny which again was kind of cool because it it felt like like over the years all the trendy indies got really big and we saw ott in in basketball buildings and progress filled up wembley and icw scottish icw went to the hydro a bunch of times and it was kind of nice to do a little bit of a reset and see like real deal, small cult fan base wrestling, uh, which was very nice. And obviously the building being so small meant that genuinely it was the greatest 3D movie ever, because a lot of the times when they're breaking those light tubes, you have to shield your drink and cover your eyes because it's flying right into your face. But that's like that's like them 4D cinemas, what they have in the in the States, but better and classier um, But yeah, no, it was great. And um, uh, and I have to say Leeds as a city really nice big up to the 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 yorkshire massive listening to this um uh, i i i love your toby carveries um uh, uh which was honestly we ate very well over the weekend the fucking toby carvery was phenomenal it was absolutely phenomenal i mean I, we we don't really have carvery chains over here uh so you're, you're kind of having to just go on word of mouth and go to the local pub and hope it's not shite which a lot of the time it is toby carvey oh lord oh lord the english they know how to do a carvery you have to give it to them yorkshire puddings as big as my head and i have a big fucking head let me tell you Shoot. um but um yeah no leeds was, was was fabulous lots of great food uh, um uh, and just lots of really nice people as well just a really lovely city um uh, and I, it was a pleasure and i and, and i got to i got to listen to this podcast on my on my way home where the boys uh, uh talked us all through the various um uh, goings on in the wrestling world and it was a good show that i have to say it was a good show thoroughly enjoyed that um it was a good show with the boys it's always well, a good show with the lads yeah joe did very well on the the new revamp 20 questions and, uh, model three three of them by myself nailed mm-hmm. it don't need me don't need me oh, yeah um so so yeah no that was um uh, uh that was a, a fabulous weekend also it was my first time getting the little plane i've never been on a little plane before the one where it's just four rows two on each side right um right. they still find a way to fucking squeeze a, a, tr- a, tr- a, um, a carriage of sweets down the the middle aisle i'm like it's really really tight in here we don't need that i'll i'll survive without a six quid can of pringles please Isn't that like a 30 minute flight or something? <laughs> yeah it was, yeah so it was about it was actually about an hour which i was surprised oh, at okay. um because yeah like liverpool is like you literally just ascend and descend it's like you're not in the air at all leads uh it was a, 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 a touch longer but yeah absolutely teeny tiny plane which i didn't feel great about i i've i kind of i feel like i'm becoming more of a nervous flyer over the years i don't know why i don't know what my my explanation is for but i i feel like when it comes time i i really hate when the descent starts i'm really starting to hate that and i don't know why i i, I don't want to be developing fears at 31 it's way too old to be developing fears they're supposed to haunt you from childhood do you think it's just uh, so- just statistics you're like well the more flights i take the more chance yeah. this could be the one <laughs> i mean you, you, you mentioned a, a, maybe a good a potential model there a gap in the market deathmatch wrestling on a tiny plane 
That might, okay. that, might, that might be the next thing. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, and it's easier to sell it out as well, yeah, 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 um, exactly. which is which is true. We've sold 80 tickets. All right, let's go. <laughs> and um, what was the what was the maddest spot of the of the weekend? Was it the uh, the thumbtacks and the nipples or or the the gigging of the scrotum? We didn't we, we didn't see thumbtacks on the nipples. We did see thumbtacks on bare feet. Um, that was in the father, father, son death match, which let me tell you, that was a classy affair that looked like it could have been happening outside of Toby Carvery. Um, (laughs) cause the, the son removed the father's boots and socks and then picked him up in like atomic drop position, but then just flung him feet first into a lot of contacts. Uh, the finish of that match was the dad's ear got nailed to the canvas. Um, uh, cause it was the last man standing match. So it was like, it was like, remember Batista being, being yeah. strapped to the turnbuckle, but way cooler. Um, so even was, the deathmatch lads are doing the, the, the wacky technicality finish. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. They all listen, they all study from the book of Vince. Um, <laughs> there was that, uh, we got to check a couple of, of, of legendary deathmatch spots off the bucket list. We got to see the, the weed whacker, as the Americans call it, Classic. got to see the what serene, is a weed? What is a weed whacker? A strimmer, like a, basically yeah. a, oh, a, a big okay. long automated thing with uh, with a little spinning razors on the edge. I uh, got to see the uh, syringe through the tongue, oh, uh, which was hell. incredibly nasty. Um, oh. All all the like, it, it's not just like light tubes; they have various light tubes accoutrement. So they'd have like a big, what looks like a big Final Fantasy sword made out of light tubes. Uh, there was a, a big, a, like a windmill type thing. There was the old um, uh, CZW uh, spider's web type thing where it's like balances on the apron. And it's like a web of, of um, uh, uh, barbed wire and stuff. Got to see razor wire, which looked deeply unpleasant to, to go on. Uh, Legos, got to see the Legos. Um, yeah, I got, got to see all the hits. Uh, um, lo- lo- loads of unprotected chair shots to the head, which are great um uh you know uh yeah. i mean, I mean luckily luckily those lads to, to do that match wrestling they already have cte so fuck it <laughs> <laughs> it's a good mindset to have. but um yeah so we got to see, got, got to check a lot of the of the big ones off they they were also doing this thing and this is great psychology um they would set up all the gimmicks in the ring before the match would start but sometimes they'd put stuff out there that they wouldn't use. So you'd you'd see things and and they would like they wouldn't actually use it because because they they they, 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 they don't go through the motion of just doing every little thing. So they did bring out carpet strips at one point, but they never actually used them, which is probably for the best. Um, one thing I wasn't expecting to see was um, ceramic pots like you'd buy in a garden center. Um, <laughs> uh, that was that was one of the ones where I was like, if you paid me half a million euro i don't think i would take a bump on it and these guys are not getting paid half a million euro for this so uh no i, I wouldn't have done strike pasta was also um one match where all the gimmicks were in like a plastic bin do you know what i mean like a see like a see-through yeah, yeah, yeah. uh very thick plastic bin and at one point one of the lads he took the last of the gimmicks out and he flung it at his opponent and it smashed over his head and i was like that's probably the sorest thing i've seen all weekend the force to break one of those plastic bins I don't know about that. Um, got to see a, a WWE style trash can, which was kind of funny. Um, uh, so someone someone took a bump on it, and it was all flat like a little pancake, which is great. Um, yeah, so got to see all of that. It was it was it was a great time. Um, but you know, back to normality now, and and uh, just you know, it's kind of coming back down to earth by watching like two of the worst episodes of Dynamite ever um, uh, on the last two weeks. Um, so. So we're, we're, we're back to the normal stuff now and, and uh, not very good uh, WWE pay-per-view to boot, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, before we get into the, the, the wrestling news for the week, what have you boys been up to? How has LifeGoff been treating you um, uh, uh, while I was away? 
no, nothing going on really. Went to the movies on Friday. That was about it. I did a really double movie. I, I first time you- ever in my little life, double feature on the same day in two different cinemas. What? I've only ever done a double feature in the same cinema. So I've you know you, mm. you buy your tickets in advance. You go to one come out maybe get something to eat if you have enough time in between go and see the mm-hmm. second one in fact i've done a triple feature in the same in the same cinema but this was we we saw one movie and then on the way home we decided do you want to go see this other movie and we went out to a, a different cinema an hour away from the first cinema because that was the only showing of the second movie it was spur of the moment well it, well, it wasn't necessarily spur of the moment, but we hadn't decided yet. Like, we didn't buy the two tickets in advance. It was kind of like, a, if we're in the mood, we'll go see the second one. Okay. And without spoiling the review coming up, the first movie was um, significantly bad enough for us to kind of want to see another movie to Cleanse wash the, the taste out of the mouth. Yeah. Mm. And the second movie was really good, so it kind of worked out in that way. Uh, otherwise, yeah, not much to... Um, Report. Uh, okay. Interesting week in the old footy, though. Um, we have our Carabao Cup final mm. oh, with, uh, with Newcastle United, who have uh, one of the, the best and most informed goalkeepers in the league. Only he got sent off at the weekend, which means he's just... Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Well, to be fair, though, luckily, they've got a really excellent backup. A, a really excellent uh, uh, second keeper who was so, was so good. Yeah, so so good that Man United took him on loan. Oh, now he's cup tied and he can't play. Oh, what a shame! They're gonna have to play a donkey and go. Marcus yeah, Rashford's, I mean, Rashford's going to hit the ball so hard that goalkeeper's going to fly through the back of the net and just keep going all the way back to Newcastle. Yeah, I mean Newcastle. Obviously, we're looking at this from the Man United fan perspective, but Newcastle already have hit a bit of a a, a patch of form where where they're kind of stumbling a little bit. Like, I think they've won one or two of their last five games. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're kind of falling out of form at the worst time. They've fallen out of the top four in the league for the first time in I don't know how long. Um, and yeah, very unfortunate against Liverpool. I was I didn't watch the match. I was in the cinema at the time. Mm. And after the first movie ended, we checked the score and it was it was a, a 2-0 to Liverpool. And Pope got set off! And, and that was the realization of, oh, Pope can't play in the final. And then there was a further realization of, oh, Dubravka, having been loaned to Man United and only played in the Carabao Cup, is now suspended also, or not suspended, but cup-tied. So Newcastle's first two choice goalkeepers, neither can play, which I don't think has, I don't remember that ever happening before <laughs> in such a, a weird situation. So yeah, Loris Karius, uh, best known for the uh, Liverpool Real Madrid Champions League final, who's who's now Newcastle's third choice goalkeeper. Who has mm-hmm. will potentially play. I, I mean, Newcastle have another goalkeeper. Uh, I can't remember his name, but they have two two goalkeepers of similar age. Just depends which one they will use. Yeah. Um, big big advantage. <laughs> it might for, be like the, uh, the the baseball team in The Simpsons, and they're all just gonna one of them's gonna fall down the stairs and have a yeah. giant bandage around his head, and then uh, yeah. Eddie Howe's going to have to go and goal himself. Yes. So, what's that? Looks like United have been given a big, a big uh, head, uh, leg up there in that one. Um, as I say, Newcastle, from what I saw from the highlights, didn't look particularly good against Liverpool anyway. So, fingers crossed on that one. Um, and yeah, Chelsea, I guess, is the other big story. 
spend a, a huge amount of money in hmm. uh, January, taking their, I think, season spending to about 600 mil. Hmm. Uh, what does that get you, baby? Two draws and two defeats since the transfer window closed. Uh, they were beaten at home by bottom of the table, Southampton. Reminds me of my sort of um, football manager. <laughs> give myself all the best players and then I still, still just like, <laughs> well, fuck, what's going on? <laughs> Set all their attributes to 20 quick. I need to win. Yeah, it's like, Chelsea remind me a lot of Man United of a few seasons ago. Uh, you might recall, you know, I used to always get the, the criticism of, you know, they don't know their best first team. Yeah. And it definitely feels like Chelsea and Potter, the manager, has, he's got so many players, though. It's impossible to know your best first team. It feels like he, he made six changes, I think, leading into the Southampton game. Mm. Didn't make any improvements as far as I could see. You you almost would forget that they have, like, Raheem Sterling bought in the summer, Aubameyang bought in the summer. Like, they, they basically completely replaced their yeah. front three uh, in January, realizing that the new front three don't do it. They didn't. They don't really have a striker, a uh, center forward, apart from Aubameyang. Potter doesn't seem to rate him anyway. He's out of the Champions League squad. Chelsea themselves might be out of the Champions League full stop by the end of the week. They're adding 1-0 down from the first leg with Dortmund. Um, so yeah, Chelsea, God. It's just, just proof of uh, spending a load of money doesn't does not necessarily uh, a success make. And I know it's only you know very short term, but Chelsea prior to January didn't really look at it. And now they spend more money. Still don't look at it. They look like a team with no cohesion, no idea, no sense of identity. They're not going to make the Champions League. That means they're going to have less they're money like, next they're, season. They're, they're nearly 20 points behind United <laughs> already. We're like half, just over halfway through the season. Being lapped by Tony Khan's Fulham. Oh, my God. Fulham, Fulham might, well. might make uh, Champions League at this rate. I mean, it looks like it's going to be between... Uh, you know, Arsenal, City, United will make up the top three, it's looking like, mm. barring some kind of huge disaster for, for any of them. And then it looks like it'll be Newcastle, Spurs, or Liverpool, potentially, for the fourth spot. Liverpool have kind of creeped up out of nowhere. And really, because Liverpool were right next to Chelsea only very recently. They're kind of mm. swapping ninth and tenth position with Chelsea. They've suddenly leapt up the table to within, are they within like three three or four points of, of Newcastle and Spurs? Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, based on based on the result against Newcastle, Liverpool might be a team who are hitting form at the right time, just as Newcastle are kind of coming out of form. And then yeah. Spurs, as you know, Spurs can be very inconsistent. Um, so, yeah, so I, was, I would say based on how it's looking at the moment, I would nearly fancy Liverpool to maybe eke into that fourth, fourth spot. Um, like if you if if you had next week, I know it's not not coming up necessarily anytime soon. But Liverpool against Spurs, you'd nearly fancy Liverpool at this stage. Oh, whereas yeah. a couple of Absolutely. weeks ago they couldn't. They look string useless. a couple of passes together. Sometimes it just takes one result like that to really kick your kick your team into gear, as we saw with United post Ronaldo as well. Uh, and yeah, we have we didn't even mention the second leg of the the absolutely fantastic United Barcelona game from last week. Oh, big um, week. Big oh, what 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 a fantastic game that was! By the way, I know we didn't review it, but bloody hell, it was a fun game. And now we have part two uh, coming up on Thursday, so I'm really looking forward to that. Barcelona themselves, uh, Pedri injured and Gavi suspended, so their midfield's taking a big a big whack. So hopefully, again, United will have enough in it to in them to do it. Uh, the Champions League game that I watched in midweek, uh, Paris Saint Germain and Bayern Munich, was a big old pile of shit, baby. Mm. Um, again, proof that two two big teams 
uh, playing Champions League does not necessarily always result in an exciting game. So yeah, that's your that's your footy guff. Otherwise, um, we just have the the wrestling to talk about, and I do have, uh, uh, and I know you did this last week, Joe, but let me do the honors this time. <clears throat> we have explain and mm. well, let me mm-hmm. mm. think about this for a second. Uh, and, <laughs> Hang on, notice, I mean, notice you brought this back when I was gone. <laughs> well, you interrupted me there. Hang on, I can't, I can't think. You have to start, start again. You have to start again. <laughs> start from the top. Well, I just wonder, taker, brothers of discussion. That's a long one. Um, oh, is, is is you know this this Sami Zayn bloodline story. Which which WWE have been doing all year to to much fanfare, critical acclaim. Mm. Um, the question is is whether Sammy being beaten by Roman in in, in the big. I don't even want to call it the payoff because you know there, there always can be more to the story, but the big confrontation they built to this for months and months and months. They had the match and Roman Roman beat him. Was that the right? choice was that yes. the right decision yes because, mm. because they're going to wrestlemania they have a story which is the return of cody Rhodes, both f- from leaving wwe and from injury defeating roman and yeah the sammy thing caught on but that's the plan and i don't think sammy Zayn should win the world title at wrestlemania right i mean that I, that in a sense becomes a separate question which I think is equally as interesting is does does something catching on organically and getting over supersede or not the plan or should it supersede or not planned uh, storylines? You know, the classic case uh, or, or the scenario at hand would be the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30 story, which mm-hmm. obviously we know the plan was Batista around the Orton main event, which would have gone down like a lead balloon. What I don't understand is, so they obviously they've got these two very hot storylines. You've got Cody building up to facing Roman and you've got Roman and Sammy, right? Why did they do the turn at the Rumble rather than waiting until after WrestleMania to do it? That's the one thing that I couldn't quite work out. Why not keep Sammy with the bloodline until WrestleMania? Obviously, they want to do Sammy and and, um, Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, but why not have... Sammy turn on Roman afterwards. And that could almost be part of the storyline. Like, oh, I lost the fucking title. Sammy, it's all your fault. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then do it. And then have Sammy beat him at SummerSlam or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the 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 bloodline story and Roman holding onto the title and eventually losing mm. it are kind of being drawn into one and the same. So the the idea of Sammy revolting against the bloodline and Sammy being the one to end Roman streaks seem to be kind of conflated to, you know, mm. basically not mutually exclusive anymore. Um, I will say in comparing this storyline to similar storylines of the past, it typically does happen that the, the, the hero of the story is the one to vanquish ultimately the, the leader of the, the heel group. Um, again, the, the most prominent and, and best known example of that would be Batista winning the, the title from Triple H to Um 
And yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting because WWE is typically not a company prone to course correction. You know, I mean, Triple H with, with, with this new era uh, of creative control, which he which he has, I can, I think he's kind of put down a marker in the sense of of not um, diverging too much from that approach. I mean, I, and I think this isn't even the first time we've seen this with Triple H, uh, Clash of the Castle. Drew McIntyre seemed like there was there was possibility there. I think I think that's probably the closest in the fans' minds that someone's come to beating Roman previous to the Sami Zayn match. Uh, and again, they they didn't uh, they didn't go for the big moment. They didn't go for the UK hero in in you know the the re- the SummerSlam '92 mm. moment. You know they 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 stuck with Roman. They had their idea. They had their plan. Roman. And, and and I don't think the plan is was necessarily even Cody Rhodes' return from injury to beat Roman Reigns. I think the plan has always been Roman Reigns will be beaten by whoever we decide to be the next star. Much in the way of, of The Undertaker's streak was used. Hmm. Not really Brock Lesnar being the next big star, but it was certainly used to reinforce Lesnar as a as a main event player. Um and yeah, I mean, I mean, it comes down to what you personally think as as a, a booker, which none of none of us are. I'm afraid to re- reveal. How dare you? Well. But um, I I quite like the idea of of course correction in the sense of you know Vince McMahon used to always bullshit and and tell lies and say stuff like, oh, well, quite frankly, oh, always listen to the fans, and then would do demonstrably do the exact opposite you know um and it's not so often that creative creatively a wrestling company has something organically fall into their lap as hard as it's been historically for wwe to get guys over especially Mm -hmm. baby faces to have something just organically happen out of nowhere i mean the the bloodline storyline i feel in the beginning was never intended to get Sami Zayn wildly over as a babyface but it just kind of happened because he's a mm-hmm. a relatively likable goofy uh babyface who's actually I, in, in a sense kind of the perfect character and perfect role perfect role for him in that you know we, we have we've had lots and lots of uh heels who think they're babyfaces which is one of my one of my favorite um character models is kind of mm. the insincere babyface they, or, or the heel who thinks he's right and thinks he's babyface. Where Sami Zayn was, a, uh, and I read this in, in the magazine there, a, a, a babyface who thought he was a heel. Yeah. Right. And it kind of it kind of it, it worked really well. Uh, I think Sami Zayn, and I've seen this mentioned many, many times, is Sami Zayn doesn't like fit the model of what a classic babyface is in terms of a John Cena or, yeah. or a, a Roman Reigns. A WWE babyface. A WWE Anywhere babyface. else he would, he would fit the role. But he's but not WWE babyface is the mainstream yeah. babyface, right? Wow. In your we opinion. know what we think of that, but but in terms of the company is is being sold, the, but, but even yeah, even, even short, public. but even in terms of yeah, marketing, marketing and selling lunch boxes with his face on and, and packets mm. of WWE stickers and, and the like, you know. Um, obviously Cody Rhodes is much more appealing in that sense, but yeah. um. I feel like Cody Rhodes is a ticking time bomb before he starts getting the same reactions he got in AEW. I think I mentioned that I, did I say this on the podcast last week? I don't recall, but like when Cody Rhodes comes out in his like tailored three piece suit with the little pocket watch and, and, and all that, it just screams like, 
Yeah. Not, not in sincerity necessarily, but there's like, he's, he, he's not like, it doesn't scream cool, kick-ass, not even anti-hero, but he's just, he's very much a, visually what Roman Reigns as a babyface represented prior to becoming part of the bloodline, you know? Yeah. I mean, the the thing about Cody as well is uh, someone pointed this out in the run-up to Elimination Chamber, and I thought it was a good point. I, I agree. It feels like he's a ticking time bomb, but he is he is super over right now, and he is. This is the, the key difference between this and 2014 with Daniel Bryan is that people actively did not want Batista to be in the main event. Mm. But people do love Cody. But the point that I thought was interesting I saw during the week was that that injury could kind of be a blessing in disguise for Cody because if he was on TV for the last eight months, who's to say if he'd even be still popular yeah. right now? Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because I've i seen the argument made a number of times that they're both extremely popular and it's very good for WWE to have two top baby faces to challenge Roman, which it is. But Cody is the safer, more long-term choice. And I'm like, well, easy because, you know... I feel like there's still very much a feeling of the shiny new toy about Cody. Um, and, and and the stealing him from AEW thing. Yes, it's absolutely. Like we got it's, their guy kind of thing. So. It's it's the biggest scalp WWE has gotten yeah. in the in the in the war, which everyone actually does care about, no matter how much they can pretend they don't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so people. Uh, so, but again, that novelty will also. After a certain point, he'll stop being the guy they stole from AEW, and he'll start just being. Cody Rhodes on yeah. right now now look he's got a superstar aura and all this other stuff but yeah I, I think I actually think that is a great point and I think it's I do also question the longevity of Cody um uh but yeah I mean I a good point that Joe made earlier I was kind of like they, they you could see them careening towards this and I I feel like yeah, a sensible person should have put their hand up and said maybe Sammy shouldn't turn on him at the rumble do you know what I mean? Maybe he could turn on him after Mania, but or maybe because you have this Montreal date penned in, maybe he turns on him at this show, right? Roman faces a whoever the fuck in a in a B show title match. Um, God forbid if they stretch it out to another Owens match. I mean, those two have wrestled each other so many times, but you know, him or anyone else. And maybe with it already locked in that it's Roman versus Cody, then you can have Sammy turn on Roman nobody's going to be protesting because you know the Cody match is locked in mm. maybe the bloodline you no know, Montreal gets their moment they get to see Sammy turn on Roman they get to blow the roof off because Sammy turned on Roman maybe the bloodline then take him out and and pilmanize his leg or something and Sammy is the post Cody program after mania and who cares then you can beat you can beat Roman every fucking day of the week if you want once he's once he's lost the titles you know um, not to, I mean, look, it's easy to sit here in fantasy book, but I, I do think that was a good point Joe made. I was like, I, 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 I don't know why they felt they absolutely had to turn Sammy at the Rumble and not, and not, because the storyline's going for two fucking years. String it out another couple of weeks. There's, you haven't been rushing all along. I don't know why we're rushing now. Um, but yeah, um, I'm of the, I'm of the belief that look, they've, they've been built, they've been doing this title run for two fucking years. It's the big, it's the biggest and it's the best title reign they've done in the modern era. Cody is the planned guy. Cody, Cody is also extremely hot. I think that conversation is getting. I think that's getting lost a little bit in the go with the Sammy thing. I, I think, I think they were right to go in the Cody direction. I do, and I was a lot of there was a lot of people um, on the night as I stayed up to watch the match, 
And a lot of people, when they heard the reaction, they're like, they got to call an audible. It's like, people, companies don't call audibles. It's like a once in a lifetime type thing. When it's your 900 day world champion, that's, that's like, that's the type of thing people used to criticize Vince for, which is flipping plans upside down on a moment's notice because of one reaction. Like, you know, it, it cuts both ways. And I, I, I think, I, I think people were saying strike while the iron is hot with Sammy, but the iron's hot with Cody as well. And like we were saying, they're both kind of uh, uh, timed uh, prospects, aren't they? When you really think about it, um, my my big grievance for the main event is that I thought it, they could, I thought they should have cut out all the USO interference shite. And it, it might sound crazy, but I, I think Roman should have just beaten him clean and just had a normal, excellent match with him, and the results still would have been the same, but the match would have been uncompromised by dramatics and ref bumps and run-ins and chairs and you know all this other stuff and i think they probably wouldn't have had the um the dead silence they had at the very end of the night there you know yeah one other thing that i wonder is in comparison to the daniel bryan situation is how many fans who are outraged at the daniel bryan treatment haven't just migrated to AEW at this stage yeah the 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 backlash you know what I mean? Like the, the 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 fan base that is still watching WWE now, are they, would they be a bit more amenable to doing what to Cody doing? just being in the main event and not, not revolting or or oh, what was that fucking thing? Take over Raw, right? Oh, yeah. that's 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 a point I have I have heard. I, I think it's fair to say that the the hijack raw chancy and punk boo randy orton and sheamus i think i think it's a fair case to say that that fan is possibly gone um uh, i mean they've shed fans every year for the last 25 years do you know what i mean so what's what's a couple hundred thousand more and i know and again the main thing is with the existence of AEW. it's like okay you don't have to watch wwe and complain about it endlessly and go and (laughs) buy front row seats and complain about it and hold up signs protesting you can just support the thing that's more geared towards you i think that's actually i think that's a very good point because i think uh, that's the thing that may also work in cody's favor it's like okay the audience might turn on him but in the last two years there's been a real thing where it's felt like the people who watch wwe wanted to succeed the same way the AEW fans do um and there's a lot less go to a show and hijack it than there was five years ago. Oh, yeah, I think that's I think that's a huge, huge change in change in the tides. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I didn't stay up to watch it, but I did watch the the end of the end of the match. And yeah, I thought I, I found it kind of messy and dis, dissatisfying in, in the sense of it being again the the first big confrontation between these two in a match. Um Obviously, to lead to more, but yeah, it, it it felt like because of the title situation, they they were kind of in two minds of how to do it, and kind of what they ended up with was just a mishmash of run ins and ref bumps, as you said, and yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a wet fart ending without without even getting into the the internal logic of like why did Kevin Owens only come out after <laughs> saying I'd already lost the match while well, Usos were were running he's around. The, he's a baby face; he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to help his friend during the match while while he would be unfair doing a dance on his head. Well, he could come out and run out, run off the Usos at least. Mm, He was. Um, and then yeah, then when he came out, it was just whatever, a little bit, a little bit inconsequential. Um, 
so yeah, that's uh, the return of uh, everyone's mm. favorite feature. Mm. Yeah, you know, you know what it's called. You know what it's called. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. I, I will say it was. It was. It was a bit like 2011 when The Rock came back, and suddenly you saw people on Facebook talking about wrestling again. That's kind of what Elimination Chamber was like, except it was just people on Twitter actually watching WWE for a change, and <laughs> and and like being all being all invested, and then inevitably disappointed in a result. Um, I will say on the actual match itself, I mean, some of the near falls were incredible. I mean, they 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 had a great match. They absolutely had a fucking great match. Um, uh, so you know, but um. I can't say we'll talk about the rest of the show later, but I can't. I wasn't exactly frothing at the mouth for WrestleMania watching watching this show. But um, uh, elsewhere in in the big kind of headline making wrestling news, did either of you two watch Kyrie versus Mercedes Monet? I did. Oh, probably half that show. Oh, Paul the sexist letting us down. Uh, I was watching two f- movies in the cinema. Oh, movies what I had women in. Uh, yeah, um. excuse me. Uh, excuse me, boss. This is a bit boring. Um, can you put on uh, the Battle in the Valley, please? I'll give you my fight login if you'd like. Um, uh, yeah, so I suppose we'll talk about, about uh, Mercedes and Kyrie and, and, and um, uh, Joe, if you want to give us any uh, thoughts on the rest of the show. I didn't know what to expect based on obviously we talked about the wrestle kingdom um uh appearance and i was hopeful but cautious on what mercedes was going to bring to the table and then i was uh extremely uh relieved and pleasantly surprised well, not, not surprised because it's still still fucking sasha banks obviously i'm not going to act like i was surprised she had a great match but um you know a lot of time away from the uh, ring Totally different environment, totally different, you know, promotion. But I thought the match was was really great. And not only was it really great, I thought it had all the hallmark, you know, quote unquote, Sasha things that you associated with her big matches. You know, some innovative near falls, mm-hmm. some crazy bumps, some genuinely, some like really creative ideas uh, uh, um, stitched together in, in a very cohesive way. I, I genuinely really, really loved it. Um, uh, what did, What did you make of it? I thought it was, yeah, very, very, very good match. Um, I mean, I like both these women. They were great in NXT and, and obviously Sasha's great. But yeah, I thought it was good and she was really healing it up as well. Just kind of interesting given that she was probably in a crowd with a lot of her, you know, diehard fans. Right. <laughs> She's playing the heel. But um, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was very, very good. Um, I wish just wish she was in AEW so we could see it on a weekly basis instead of on an occasional New Japan show. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very good. Uh, and I quite enjoyed the rest of the show. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched uh, the Eddie Kingston match, uh, who ran Jay White out of out of town. Um, that was very. Oh, good. Was, I actually didn't even hear the result. Did he lose that? Okay. Yeah, so he's he's leaving Japan or New Japan. I can't remember. They didn't specify. This one was New Japan. This one was New Japan. Yeah. So I my I thought I thought that they he he lost the loser leaves Japan. Right. And I was like. Oh, he's gonna beat Kingston, and he's gonna be because they're you know New Japan. They're trying to ramp up America again. He's gonna be their guy in in New Japan Strong. I guess they call it their their American brand. But no, I I guess not. Wow. Uh, so let the speculation resume, I suppose, as to what's uh, next for him. WWE. I mean, I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, you know, it, Uncle Howdy's not gonna play himself. You know, <laughs> he wouldn't have done the loser leaves town match if he wasn't. Uh, I think completely cutting ties with New Japan. Right. Um, which AEW wouldn't be necessary. So yeah. So that's good news. Uh, I won't have to watch him every week. Um, <laughs> Eddie Kingston's great. I don't know why Eddie Kingston isn't doing Tony Khan, why aren't you using Eddie Kingston? Uh, he's brilliant. Is it because he slapped Sammy Guevara? Because that was actually great. 
That was that's the best she's done. Um, yeah, Eddie Kingston great, and I also watched the Zack Sabre Junior match, which was uh, very good. And he was uh, swearing at the crowd and telling them to fuck off if they don't like the swearing. <laughs> to go and watch the PG stuff. That was quite funny. Uh, and did I watch anything else? I think that was it actually. But um, oh yeah, and little Finley Junior came out after the um, Jay White match and beat him up with a shillelagh. That was um. I was alright then. Cut a scathing promo, uh, so that was quite good. Do you know the first time I ever saw Shillelagh was Finley on SmackDown? Yeah, I've never quite. Is that supposed <laughs> to be a thing we all have? I have so never had one. Yeah, no. I I I have seen one in real life in in the remotest of pubs I've been to. I've seen an old man with a Shillelagh. I've never seen him hit anybody. I've never seen him steal a victory with it though. Um, yeah, that's. I never quite understood that. But um, but yeah, anything else? Did you watch Okada Tanahashi? Nah, I'll skip that. God. Yeah, I, I mean, it's cool that they did it, but like, all right, I'm, all right, lads, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it, lads. <laughs> None of that. I've seen you. I've seen them do it in America as well. So I was like, it's not even, it's not even the first time they've done it in the states. Um, but yeah, um, I did not watch the rest of the show. But yeah, uh, Paul, check out that match. It is, it is very good. Um, the only other thing is, I accidentally downloaded the one with. Um, sorry, I mean, I accidentally streamed the one with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Japanese commentary, <laughs> not realizing, yeah. which was good. It was very authentic. I didn't know. Yeah, it's all right. Like I, uh, I like to watch that song. I can't remember who who was the who was it. It was um, the guy who used to be Aiden English, I think. Oh, um, right. who does who does impact? He's all right. He's actually not bad. Um, and I can't remember. Was it Kevin Kelly? I can't remember. They were all right. They were New, New Japan's commentary is okay. Um, but yeah, I know I know plenty of people who like to watch it with the Japanese because it's a mm. bit more. Bit more authentic, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what comes next for for Mercedes. She obviously won. Um, uh, she was she 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 did heal up in a way that was good. She was obviously the most popular person on the show, so there was you can only do so much. But she did a lot to kind of you know make Kyrie seem like really sympathetic and and like a star in her own right. Um, but yeah, we'll see we'll see what comes next. I mean, uh, Tony Khan's teasing an announcement for Wednesday. Um, I hope it's either Mercedes or something about the video game, and he's not just going to stand in the middle of the ring and say Ariel Hawani is a bitch for <laughs> for, for twenty minutes while he while he um he pulls out an, a Jericho sized list of all the things he dislikes about him. No, um, he's he's, he's going to bring out another MMA journalist to be his. <laughs> yeah, Luke shake my hand. Shake my hand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's going to be, but uh, oh, is it, it bring, be, him, it, bring him on a be, TV? It'll be oh, messy. Oh god, I didn't even think about that. You're probably right, though. Yeah, if it's that, I'm never watching Dynamite. But no, 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 it, it can't because he's he's already said he said it's it's, it's on Honor Club. Club. Yeah, and they've announced the taping, so presumably it'll be. Uh, it could be. It could be. Here's the date it starts, but mm. that would be a that would be a bummer if that's That'd what be it a was. Waste of. I, I'll, I'll make a prediction of what it's going to be. Go on. Own heart tournament. Um. Year two. I feel like he only. Well, I mean, it could be an exception. He only comes out when there is big news. Well, yeah, but, and I think that's yeah. assumed. Like we all know, there's going to probably going to be another article. That seems like, like yeah, yeah. That's the type of thing where I think Tony Schiavone is in the ring and says, "Folks, I've got great news for you. Here's the first person in the second ever Owen Hart tournament." Everyone cheers, and Adam Cole comes or, out, or whatever. Or Jr. announces it on Rampage and calls it the Bret Hart tournament. <laughs> Yeah, our uh, first round matches are on SmackDown next week. Oh God, I've done it again. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> I'm too old for this. Could um, be, could be the UK tour. Well, he was on, he was on Rampage, yeah. call himself 
fat this week. I'm too fat for the t-shirt, Kraft oh Frankfurt. The, the UK, the, the UK one is a good show. They need to fucking yes. announce that thing. They need to announce it because it's been ages now. And they've gone, they've gone dead quiet. I'm, I'm increasingly buying into the tinfoil hat theory that WWE found out their date and that and booked Money in the Bank for that weekend. Um, there's absolutely no credence to that, but I've decided I believe it because they they were talking about it and talking about it and talking, about it and then stopped. They were like, mm. "Shit, we're going dead silent," and it was around the time the WWE thing got announced. But anyway, <laughs> Triple H has been booking all the arenas in different voices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're booking for that weekend, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, hello, ICW. What was that place in Leeds you ran? I need to have that. Have you cleaned all the shite out of it? Um, get all the syringes out. But yeah, um, I, I, I. Oh, God, I, mean, I feel like it's silly to keep holding out hope for a video game date. They, they had a new trailer at IGN did some event last mm-hmm. week, and apparently they showed a 30-second trailer and nothing else and no date, still no date. So I don't know what the fuck's going they, on with they that. They did reveal, did you see Omega talked about the reason for the delay? I think it was no. on Swerve podcast. Yeah, ESRB talked, rating. Yeah. They had too oh, much really? blood, and that pushed it up to a mature rating or whatever it is. And so oh, wow. Stop taking okay. it back, because, uh, yeah. That, 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 that is actually interesting. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. That's the wrestling news this week. We'll talk more about the um, various other bits of wrestling we've watched this week uh, later. Uh, do you want to do a quiz? I have a quiz for the first time in quite a while. Let's um, do it. Let me uh, pull up my old email there. It's part of my email, so I'll read my my one email I have, and it has a quiz as part of it. And oh, excuse me, as I belch into the microphone, I'm back, baby. Um, let's see here. <laughs> And we'll pull this bad boy up. Uh, if you want to email us, by the way, chairshoppodcast.com is where you can go. Uh, this one here is from Will, our old pal Will. And I'll, I'll read out his email here before we uh, jump in to the quiz. Says, uh, we all remember the bit in the Plinkett Star Wars reviews where Plinkett references that Dexter Jetster is not a memorable character. However, due in some part to that part of the review, I actually find him quite memorable. I also do as well. I think Paul agrees with this as he has referenced him quite frequently. There's a similar example of the paradox with Joe and Babu Freak, though with multiple levels of irony. What characters from media do you find memorable that don't have a strong place in our collective shared memory? That's a very good question from Will. Babu Freak. Uh, Dexter Jetster is a good one. And I, and I do, mm. purely because of the Blinken review, I do reference Dexter Jetster all the time. Um, hmm. Characters are not memorable. Um, I don't remember them. Well, that's exactly it. That's yeah. the problem. I do you find? Uh, I mean, oh, sorry. Not memorable is the wrong way to phrase this question. Is do you do you find memorable that don't have a strong place in our collective shared memory? Um, uh, yeah, the the guy on the bus in Mrs. Doubtfire. Who, is it the bus driver who looks at who looks at her legs and goes, mm, "I like hair on a woman." <laughs> <laughs> That's one that sticks in my mind. Oh, I have to watch Mrs. Doubtfire again soon. Hello. Oh, it's fabulous. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because because you're kind of you're kind of thinking of something obscure. Um. Um. Uh, yeah, anyone, anyone who I think who's maybe slightly like under the radar, I kind of ah, well, they they have a little bit of a you know a cult following. Everyone kind of does these days. Um, uh, I like the uh, the two thousand six SmackDown tag team division featuring the Dicks and the Gemini. 
Oh, you know what? Yeah, that actually rem- that reminds me. I I do like. There's one. I can't remember what year it is, but he he's garnered a, similar to Dexter Jetster. He's kind of garnered a sort of ironic infamy into the online wrestling world. Uh, one of the SmackDown versus Raw games has a an original character uh, in it called Tony. He's a he's a um, a camouflaged uh, like marine or soldier or something like that. I can't even remember the con. He's like friends with John Cena or some shit like that. Like <laughs> like the the idea is that he like hops the rail or something at a show, and you can then unlock him. He's a big, he's a shitty little like like uh, uh, made up character, but because he and they so rarely did that kind of thing in those games where they made up characters and put them into the story that he kind of gained a sort of ironic uh, fame over the years. So that's a good one. Tony from SmackDown versus. I want to say 08, I think that was. Um, featuring ECW. Featuring ECW, no less. ECW you could also include in this in this conversation. Um, yeah, that's the, those are uh, those are some good shouts there. I want to say is what the other one I was going to think uh, it was um, uh, the vet from Trailer Park Boys who they they go to all the time when they get shot because they can't go to a real hospital. But that but that every character in that show has its own little cult following. So that's 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 maybe not a good example, but that's that's the one immediately came to mind when I read the email. I uh, like so- I like when uh, when Steve Merchant shows up in the office and gets upset because the nickname they call him. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Steve Merchant in most cameo like uh Jojo Rabbit as well when he plays the Nazi. Yeah. Sure get in Because he's obviously yeah. known for the other Ricky Ray shows, but not Really, not really in the office. They that one little cameo. He's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, uh, the the to, uh, to that end, I would say. Oh the, wait, how did none of us go straight to Simpsons when that question came up? Because because all, all, all they all have. I, I was going to say Lester and Eliza, but they all have because the Simpsons has now become its own language. Every single character has. Everyone knows all those characters. Do you know what I mean? It's like right. even the weird one-offs. Everyone knows Lester and Eliza. Not everyone, but yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I, I did go to multiple Simpsons characters. Um, uh, uh, I should have gone straight to Simpsons. Yeah, Poochie, you know. But again, Poochie's incredibly well known, you know. So. <laughs> Roy, Roy is a great one. Roy is a great one. Um, yeah, but um, alrighty, I'll go into the the quiz here. Okay. Time for the real quiz, says Willie. Says it's the return of the Barry Lad thinks. Barry has a question to think about. He locks in his answer in his head. Paul and Joe then guess what Barry thinks the answer will be. All right. So this is what am I likely to say, right? Not the actual correct answer. Uh, The closest to Barry's answer wins a point. I'll include the real answers to the questions for the sake of interest at the bottom of the email. So don't read ahead. This week's theme is wrestling slash personal. Okay. So uh, what we'll do is I'm going to pull out. I'm going to pull out. Just keep me honest here. I'm going to put my... I'm going to get my notepad open here on my phone and I will put my actual answer down so there can be no uh, chicanery. And uh, you guys will take a turn just to make sure there's, there's not too much prices writing going on during this. Um, uh, we'll go Paul first and then we'll go Joe. So we'll start with Paul here. Uh, question number one. How many gaming devices, handheld or otherwise, has Joe owned in his life? That's the question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write down what I think the answer is. Joe has a <laughs> actually I suppose Joe does has an advantage in the sense that he might know what I might guess, but he knows the actual answer. Have you said that on a recent show? How would Will know that? I don't know how he knows the answer because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm trying to I, I haven't read four, so I don't know. Okay. Um Okay, I'm kinda counting up on my fingers here. Okay. 
Alrighty, boys, do we have answers? Yeah, I'll say... Let me just run through it one more time. Yeah. I'll go I'll go five. Okay, Joe. I think I go six. Okay, well, it's not about what you actually own. It's what Barry thinks you own, and yeah. Paul is exactly right. I said five. <sighs> wow. Okay. You can't you can't really see that on my webcam, but you can take my word for it. My logic was I it was a little bit of guesswork, but I I think you know I know you have a switch. For some reason I thought you had an original Game Boy that might be absolute bullshit. I may be wrong. And I, I, this definitely doesn't sound right, but this is just what I thought. I thought you had a Genesis, a Super Nintendo, and an original Nintendo. Those are my those are my uh, five. So that was a complete no, kind I of stab think, in the dark. Did you have a uh, Maurice? Did you have like a GameCube, an N sixty four, something like that? Yeah. So I had a going backwards. Got the Switch currently. Before that, the GameCube. Oh wow! Okay. N sixty four. Excellent. Snares. NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Also, Game Boy. Okay. Game Boy Pocket, as we talked okay. about last uh, week. Exactly. Yeah, 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 excellent. And also a, a Spectrum. Was it, no, was it Spectrum? One of those kind of really old. Amiga. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah. That, so what's that? Ones. Eight? That is, yeah, eight. Eight different Wow. Ones. That's way more than I would have thought. Okay. Um, I, I don't know what. I'll be very curious to see if what Will actually has at the bottom. I'm not, I'm not going to scroll because I don't want to spoil the, the rest of it for me. Yeah, we, we, we'll do that at the end. Okay. Oh, God, this next one. What is the combined weight of the New Day in pounds? So, uh, okay. So Joe's first on this one. Joe is first on this one, yes, yes. So give you a couple of seconds there to move I'm, I'm going to do the maths in my head and pick a number regardless of what Joe says. All right. Uh, I will say... Oh, I was trying to add these up. I've, I've guessed the three of them. I'm trying to add it together. Let Barry do his, uh, his calculations. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I, ha- I have my number. I'm, I promise okay. I'm not going to change it. There's, there won't be any prices right on this unless by some mad coincidence, Joe's guess is one pound less than my guess. Okay, Joe, you are going first, though. I'll say s- 690 pounds. Okay, Paul. All right, I've gone six fifty. Okay, I have gone. I've, our our math is going to be very funny to examine when it's over. I went way more than you guys. I went seven hundred and seventy-five. Sorry, how big do you think Biggie is? I, I put Biggie at three hundred and fifteen. Three fifty. How big do you think the other two are? Kofi, Kofi, and Xavier are about four hundred combined. I, I had, I had Xavier's kind of jacked. I put Xavier at two fifty. No, in no world is Xavier two hundred fifty pounds. The Rock was two sixty five, <laughs> and I, I put I put Kofi at two ten. Not even he's about one one eighty. I'd say. Okay, I've probably given him a bit more credit <laughs> than I should have. But anyway, uh, Joe is the closest without going over there. Yeah. Um. So well done, Joe. I should, uh, so the it's one all so far. My my maths was Kofi one eighty, Xavier two ten, Biggie around two sixty. Okay, but keep in mind though to, to look, you know, we're going by their business. What does Barry think? Which, yeah, you know. no, no, but that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say I'm going up their build weight. I imagine they build Biggie at 300. Surely they do. I don't think so. Uh, all right, so it's one, one a piece here. Let me I write my scores down because I haven't written them down yet. All right, one a piece, all to play for, lads. Yeah. Uh, next question: What year did the first war games take place? Oh Jesus! 
Um, okay. Uh, I've got an answer locked in. I'll give I'm, you guys. I'm up second. first, right? Uh, you are up first. Yep. Yeah. All right, Barry. I think that you think the first War Games was in 1988. Okay, Joe. Um, I will go 1989. Okay. Um, bit spooky, Paul. You're on the number again. Uh, second, second time in a row. You've got it. How did you? How did you know? I would guess that. I don't know if that's true or not. By the way. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I, I... Well, the first definitive one that I'm aware of was 89, so I just okay. went to one earlier, figuring there might have been one. Before. Okay. There's probably more, way more before that. might yeah. be like the earliest. It was 87. I was going to... I would have said 88 if Paul hadn't said it, because I thought... You, Ballpark. Yeah. And, and we know that Joe's favorite one is in the early 90s, so... Mm, yeah. I went a few years prior to it. Alrighty. Uh, Alright, so this one. How long... Was Brett versus Sean at WrestleMania 12 minutes and seconds? Okay, this is the Iron Man match, the um, nil all overtime, the whole the whole shebang, minutes and seconds. So I'm gonna. Oh, um, okay, okay. Oh, that's definitely wrong. No. Hang on. Uh, uh, no, it's wrong again. Okay. <laughs> this is actually really annoying. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, go to Joe. I think Barry will say 72 minutes and 12 seconds. 72-12. Okay, go on, Paul. 65. My actual guess was 63-22. Uh, so, so Paul, you're much closer. They, it, 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 like they restart it, and it goes like two minutes, doesn't it? It goes like yeah. a minute or two. Yeah. Um. Uh. Sh- absolutely shite match. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. never watched that. I actually don't know. Dreadful. Uh. All right. So that that brings it to three one to uh, to Paolo. Uh. Still, I'll play for a couple of, a couple more questions here. We do have a, we do have a tiebreaker as well. Should the um, uh, should the it be demanded? Oh God. What was the attendance of Starcade 1983? <laughs> <laughs> Out of curiosity, I'm going to lock in my answer and then I'm going to look up the card because um, I'm actually curious to see what was on Starcade 1983. Okay, let me think. 1983. So this is Crockett, right? No. Yes. Okay. Complete stab in the dark. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think my getting it exactly right streak is gonna is gonna continue. Here. No. Um. Well, if WWE has taught me anything, is that before WrestleMania, wrestling was bingo halls and and uh, Leeds uh, mini arenas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you, uh, do you have your answer locked in. I've right? my I've mine locked in. Uh, so it's you, Paul, isn't it? Yeah. I'll say that you said. 70,000. 7-0. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe? I I think he'll go more in the kind of 14,000 range. Okay. Uh, Joe, you are correct. I went 9,500. Wow, way off. Uh, yeah. Uh, which, yeah. I, I, I yeah, because I knew, like, even at its peak, that era, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't, 
baseball sta- filling baseball stadiums. Because uh, I did see it after I locked in my answer. The actually it was fourteen and a half was the actual attendance. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was Flair versus Harley Race Steel Cage, um, and uh, the dog collar match, Piper and Valentine. That was that was that show. So there you go. So Joe pulls one back. Uh, it is three two to Paul. All to play for. Uh, let me see here. Okay. How? Oh wow, this is very interesting. How long is the longest death match in history, and how many hours did it last? <laughs> I have no idea about this. Um. Okay, and this is Joe first. So let me. I'm gonna write down my my answer. And I'll let you know when I'm locked in here. Uh. Okay, I'm gonna go. Okay. Okay. I have my answer locked in when you boys are ready. Joe, you can go first. I I don't know what Barry to say. I can't get my guess out of my head. This is the problem. Um, well, you, I mean, this is this is a little right. bit of a crapshoot. So you can just, I think, you can just take a point on this. I would fairly, I'd say. I think Barry thinks it lasted five hours. Okay, Paul. Um. Well, I'm trying to think of it. Whether it would still be within the context of a show. Or whether it would just be one of those things that goes like a day. Mm. Um, I can see it being kind of a technicality of something that maybe where where the match started and, and kind of came and went and, and ended much later. So I'll say maybe six hours. Okay. Still within a show's length, I'm saying. Okay. Uh, you are closer, Paul. So that's a, a point for you. I was on the same thought as you. Uh, and uh, I'll be curious to look this up once we're done here with the quiz. I went 36 because I was thinking they probably did one of those meme, oh, um, the, the the indie thing where I mean, so many people have done it at the stage. It's so like wrote, but brawl to the back and then come back the next day on the second show and pin in the They're ring. Still like, fighting. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought they were going to do that in Leeds because two of the lads um, went out onto the street and they, some of the fans were watching it on the CCTV behind the bar, which was a great bit. <laughs> um, and I actually, I nudged my friend who I was with and I said, I, I would put money on them coming back tomorrow and saying that the match went a day, uh, but they did not. But yeah, so uh, that's a point for Paul there uh, for two. That brings us up to here. Uh, alrighty. Uh, okay. How many different countries has Paul visited? Um, okay. <laughs> Again, I w- I'd be very interested if Will had the right answer on that one somewhere. Yeah. I have to assume mm. these are ones where he doesn't know the right answer and it's just, it's for you to guess. Maybe he doesn't know. I've scrolled on my, my Wikipedia page. I've I've scrolled on the on the email here and I can start to see the um uh the answers. I don't have the answer to this one, but for question one he has just put a question mark. So I believe he was just hoping Joe would fill us in on question one. So there you go. Anyway, let me let me rack my brains here on on Paul. Um Okay. I have one locked in here. It's me first this time, right? It's you, yeah. I'll say, Barry, that you think I've been to... I mean, you you know two of them, <laughs> at least. Uh, ten. Okay, Joe? I was going to say, should I change my answer? No, I'm going to stick with nine. Okay. Uh, I <laughs> went with six. Uh, my ra- my rationale being France, obviously we knew. 
Uh, Ireland, France, England. I don't know why I took a punt on England. Just you live in Ireland, easy to take a punt on a holiday. Uh, and then well, I've, I've met Joe in England multiple times. Oh, that's also true as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess just kind of on holidays over the years, I just guessed at uh, Spain plus America plus one other one that I don't know. Um, so that sure. was my that was my guess. So is is ten your actual number? No, I've been to way more. Way more. Okay, probably uh, fifteen twenty. Uh, oh really? Wow, really nice. Uh, Although so, you know US as well, because that's where I did the pose outside the then impact zone. Uh, so that uh, Joe pulling it back here. It's gonna be. It's gonna come down to the wire. It's four three for Paul at the moment. Um, we come up to question eight. Um, <laughs> how many times has Joe watched his favorite movie? Okay. Um, I'm not sure I even know what Joe's favorite movie is. Yeah, I don't know if that's important to the question or not. But. Coincidentally, I just created my top fifty list on Letterboxd. So check that out. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. In the interest of this being a quiz, I'm probably not won't help you. Uh, yeah. I don't rank it every time I watch. Unless you've been logging on, unless you've been going back. Yeah. Okay, well, I first watched it, it when I was six, so that's one. I was going to um, say, is, is it is it Heat? Goodfellas? No, Back to the Future. Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, the, the classic bit. That's what I mean. Back to the Future. Uh, How many times okay. you watched it? I have a number locked in here. Uh, Paul, let me know when you're locked in and we can ask Joe then what his okay. answer is. Okay. Um, How many times has Joe watched Back to the Future? Yeah. Okay. I'll say no. No, you're not saying because it's Joe's. I know. Di- I know. But I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm okay. I, I. I'm on a number. Okay. You're on a number. Joe, what's your number? I think Barry will say eleven times. Right. I've Go gone. On, eight, I've gone eighteen. Eighteen. Interesting. I went thirty. Jeez. Yeah, because I'm thinking as a kid. Yeah, I'm like, I've seen Star Wars like 30 times. On TV all the time. He's watched it at least 10 times, I think, right. since his podcast started. <laughs> so um, that's another. That's a point for Paul there. I've never seen any film 30 times. <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't, not, I don't rewatch film. I'm not somebody who rewatches films that often. Well, no, honest. neither am I. But when, when, when I was a kid and I had Star Wars on VHS, that, that VHS just got. I probably watched it more than once in a day. Nah, I'd, I'd rewatch wrestling. But not um, okay, okay, okay. Not films. They're too okay. I'll save them. Um, <laughs> Think about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see here. Question number nine: How many hats does Paul own? <laughs> um, I mean, I know he doesn't own the legendary WWE Network hat. Um, okay. You know, so that's minus one. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, I will put lock in. I mean, I, I did meet Barry wearing a hat, so he knows I have yeah. at least one. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing and my we, sums here. And we we ate at Jimmy Jimmy Chang's, which is not there anymore. God rest it. No, um, um, I have an answer locked in here. Okay. Uh, How many hats Paul. do I own? Um, six hats. Okay, Joe. I thought he'd gone higher. I say. F- Mm, 12 12 hats what is he the fucking mad hatter <laughs> I, I put two two hats no, I, I definitely own more than two i have i have about <laughs> i have about i have about nine hats i would say what? I don't, I don't <laughs> just, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. baseball caps, like, like no, like like beanie, beanie, beanies and baseball caps. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh god, I feel like I'm uh, I'm a hatless freak. Gary's got his Sunday best for church, and then a, a baseball that's, cap. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, Barry's got his one for going to the races, and uh, and that's that's all with the fruit in it. Alrighty, last question here from from Will. Um, I'll give you the tiebreaker as well. Once the score, we're done. the score is what uh, the six, score six six three, six, uh, six, three to, to Paul. So Paul has clinched victory here with as many hats. He's as many points as he does hats. Anyway, um, question ten: How many light tubes were used in the no rope barbed wire double hell match between Atsushi Onita and Tarzan Goto in nineteen ninety three? I'm going to just pluck a number out of my head. Okay, I have a number locked in. It's Joe's guess here. 200. 200, says Joe. I'm going to say, Barry, you're a smart man. You're going to have said zero. Trick question. There were none used in that match. Okay, you'd be wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe is cr- was closer. I said 20,000. And I thought my guess was bad. <laughs> no, no, your your guess was bad because they they yeah like those thousand was the arena just uh, one of those big plastic build, buckets just full of light tubes. They build all the matches have been built as a ten thousand light tube death match in the past. Like they do <laughs> ten thousand light tubes would be about a kilometer long. <laughs> they don't lay them out in a line and and, and, and then walk in a line doing. No, no, no. I, I know not literally, but to think how many light tubes that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see when we get to the 20,000. Two kilometers of light tubes. <laughs> and uh, the answer is probably going to end up being twenty thousand. Twenty thousand and one. So, uh, so uh, Joe pulls back one there at the end, but the final score is uh, Paul six, Joe four. So a, a good effort out of out of Paul there. Yeah, um, I got two of them exactly correct, so I'll take. So yeah, that was a very good, very good performance. Very good performance. Uh, the tiebreaker question was how many championships has Ric Flair won in his career? Um, what well, do you guys think I would have said for that? I know sixteen at least. I think fifty. Yeah, sixteen, fifteen. No, no, See, there's, at least, uh, there's 50, 16 world titles, but actually, there's like you won eighteen or nineteen, right? So, in terms of just titles, not world titles, titles it just says it just says championships. Yeah, I would have said oh, just yeah, championships, probably, probably twenty. I would have said twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, thirty-ish um, probably. All right, we'll we'll scroll down here to to, to Will's answers. Question one, obviously, uh, uh, how many gaming devices Joe had? He didn't have an answer for that, so he just wanted you to answer. Question number two, boys, you were all laughing at Al Barry. The combined weight of the new day seven hundred and ninety-three pounds. I was like sixteen no, pounds off. You're, you're, you're being worked, brothers. There's no, no. no. Well, yeah, that's fine. It's build weight. I don't give a fuck. No, there's no way their build weight is seven nine three. They definitely, that. they definitely build. Biggie at 300 they definitely do anyway i was like so i was like 16 off i was so close anyway uh the first war games took place in 1987 uh brett versus sean was 61 minutes 52 seconds so i was actually very close again on that one um the attendance for starcade 1983 was approximately 10,000. Uh the record for longest death matches held by Matt Tremont and Ricky Shane Page which lasted 4 hours and 10 minutes. Um, God. Uh, pretty close. That's pretty close. Uh for Paul he says Dino France and that. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh for the favorite movies and number of hats uh, again Will has no answer here. Um for number 10 how the number of light tubes 2,000. 
Not twenty thousand, so not two hundred either or zero. Uh, so, so I was closer. My, my guess was obviously you were out by eighteen thousand. You were out by way more in the in the sense of in the sense. Oh, of, no, 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 no. We were trying match, to guess what your what answer would be, not what, what the right answer was. What did the match look like? It looked breaking two thousand light tubes looks a lot closer it, it to twenty thousand like, than zero. <laughs> yes, it does. It looks closer well, than okay, zero. Than zero it looks it looks closer than zero. Anyway, mm. that's not that's not what the quiz is about. Barry counts smithereens as full light tubes. And anyway, then the Ric Flair apparently had twenty one championships in his career. Mm. So there you go. Thank you very much, Will, for that quiz. That was great fun. Greatly appreciated. Uh, anyone listen to this, if you want to weigh in and if you want to design a quiz for us to squabble about, uh, com. you can uh, reach out to us that way. And uh, you can also send us just questions and just whatever the, whatever the heck is on your mind, yeah. you can send it to us. So go to com. scroll down to the bottom, and there's a big email us banner there with a with a button and that'll send the email straight to us you don't have to faff around with gmail or email nah imagine imagine doing that imagine doing that waste of your time uh wrestling let's talk about wrestling here not too much to talk about on the old wrestling did you watch the rest of elimination chamber or was it just sammy and roman i skipped all of it i didn't watch any of it uh fair enough it was not very good um they had a women's match where my completely legal stream died somehow halfway through i don't know what my wwe network subscription must have lapsed or something during that match so ooh, raging missed out the second half of it um but yeah uh brock lesnar and, and bobby Lashley were having an all right match and then it went to a dq finish after four minutes that was crap um uh, edge and beth phoenix wrestled rhea ripley and finn balor i was really bored during it the crowd were really into the women and i was kind of thinking they should have just done a singles match between beth and rhea because uh the finish was also um edge getting pinned um uh oh no sorry no uh edge pinning balor and i was like well rhea's challenging at wrestlemania for the title so maybe they should have broken it into two singles matches so rhea could get a win but i digress uh the men's chamber was one of those things where i felt like i was an alien because it was the u.s title match with seth gargano uh bronson reed damian priest uh austin theory and one other person who i'm forgetting um, and it was just one of those ones where they were just doing loads of stuff and I was really bored and people were like, oh my God, they got like 17. This is awesome chance. And I was just like, I was fading during this. I was like, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those where it's just, if you do, there was a handful of cool spots and that's all it really took. Do you know what I mean? To, to get people up and going about it. Um, and the, uh, uh, finish was, um, Someone got curb stomped on the. I'd not say the steel, but it's it's the rubber elimination chamber now. Mm. Uh, oh, Montez Ford was the other person, and he actually had a great performance. To be fair, um, and they opened up the chamber to get him out because he was injured, and then Logan Paul came in and hit a buckshot lariat on Rollins. Uh, and Theory pinned him. And if befitting his booking for the last year, the story of the match is that Theory was getting ping-ponged around like a little like a little dweeb, getting smashed all over the place. Everyone was taking turns beating the shite out of him, and then Rollins was about to win, and he got screwed at the last second. So, you know, that's that's st- still the way they book the US champion. Um, and then he had the main event. So, yeah, not, 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 nothing, nothing to talk about on the undercard, and, and it, it certainly did not make me... Um, 
um i want to start watching wwe again if i'm being perfectly honest um pretty bad week for dynamite ratings um uh pretty one of their lowest numbers in months uh this week on the old on the old nielsen box and it was also a very badly reviewed show i've actually not watched it. i watched a handful of clips off it what did you boys make a dynamite this week it was it was not well received was my understanding L- let me throw a curveball i quite enjoyed it I, thought, <laughs> I kind of agree it wasn't like bad it wasn't a blow away I mean? but it wasn't a blow away show but it was fun it was fine it was a good who matches. are you to disagree with the cage match inmates okay uh, the, the tag, like the tag team tornado match with uh, Mox uh, against was great, yeah, against what's his name, uh, Russian Harry Kane and Pedro <laughs> Peligroso. <laughs> that was that was great match. That was yeah. brilliant. I enjoyed the Mark Briscoe match as well. That was really good. Yeah, very different. I like I like Briscoe just because he's a unique personality. He's not like anyone he's else. such a personality as well. Like not just unique personality, he has a personality. Unlike. So another people on the show. <laughs> what was the main event? I can't remember what the main event was. was main that? event was the triple threat women's match, which, to be fair, was it was a bit, oh, yeah. a bit sloppy. But I think I watched again. That. It was okay. Joe <laughs> jo- 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 jo looked out a window while that was on. <laughs> um, no, I mean the show opened up with a, a fun, not crazy, but a fun um, big tag match with Orange Cassidy and the Acclaimed, and you know, good crack. Um, then you had the the tag match, which Joe mentioned, the the Texas Tornado match, which you know, admittedly went a little bit long. I liked it, despite it. I thought it was a great, mm. you know, violent brawl with Roosh, who's just fucking great, um, and Moxie, of course. And um, I can, but I can see some people like it just went, it just seemed to go on forever, which I was like, great, give me more of it. But I can see people yeah. got tired of it. Um, I really liked the MJF Chris Daniels segment. Just, just with how, how, um, not even subtle, but how throwaway. Like MGF does this oh, fucking promo, the, the Danielson this, Danielson that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ring of Honor legend Christopher Daniels, and with with no with no pretense, he just brings him out, right? Mm. Right. And Chris Daniels immediately goes, reaches into a pocket, brings out a big fat padded envelope, what a cash that MGF had had paid him to come out and badmouth, talk shit on Brian Danielson. And I, th- I really liked the way they did it, where, yeah. where MJF didn't build up to why Daniels was there. He just, like, here's a legend. Uh, the pretense being that Daniels was going to come down and talk shit on Tyson <laughs> because mm. backstage MJF had given him a big fat envelope full of money. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. I mean, that got a big laugh out of me where, where, when Daniels produced the, the, the envelope. I thought that was very funny. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make me thirst for a, a blood match between Danielson and MJF, but I thought it was I thought it was a funny little segment. Um what else was on the show that I'm that I maybe forget? Um, uh uh Paige spraying Tony Storm's arse with uh green fart juice. With it with um, the DX spray. I mean this uh I saw that I don't know why of all the things I haven't seen the tornado tag, but for some reason I watched that clip. I guess because it was just on Twitter. I mean, this this is the shit. This stuff. I mean, it's 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 like it's not even like just oh the weakest thing on the show. It's horrible. I mean, it is really bad. And I I hope uh, like Soraya's contract is short with an option to be picked up again because if I would if I was only going to be cutting bait on this so fucking fast, um, I'm not into it at all. 
I kind of conceptually like the idea. I, I agree with you, first of all. But I kind of conceptually like the idea of the spray, not on her ass, but the, the kind of hip spray, and she hits the opponent, and it, it would leave like a mark. A mark, yeah. Conceptually, I like that. First of all, yeah, you're spraying it onto her, her ass. Secondly, <laughs> it didn't leave a mark. Um, so it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, Joey, do you remember that episode of Friends where Chandler's boss keeps patting him on the bum? And Joey's like, what if you could put something that smelled really bad on your bum so that when he slaps it, he gets it on his hands? It's very much that logic. What if you yeah, spray yeah. paint on your bum so she gets it on her face? Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, great idea. I mean, it doesn't help that they haven't really concretely established a, a strong baby face team. It feels like, you know, Britt Baker, etc., are the baby face side. But they still haven't made that clear or had Britt Baker have a real babyface moment to, to counterbalance. It just seems like mm. it, it almost feel, feels like, and, and this is going to sound horribly sexist because it was horribly sexist at the time. It feels like TNA when Vince Russo was writing it, where everyone was just calling each other, you're a skank, you're a bitch, you're a da da da. You know, it, it feels mm. very reminiscent of that, where, you know, can, can we just get some bloody. Like we have, we have really likable baby faces on on the roster. You have your Willow, and you have your, um, that's about it, really. <laughs> well, yeah. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby to an extent, but they're doing the will she, mm-hmm. won't she gimmick with her. Um, so God, let's just. It, it feels like everyone in in, in AW, all all the women are, are heels at the moment. It feels like there's there's nineteen heels and then Willow on the other side. Because Brit and, and Jamie, etc., are cheered, yeah. but they they haven't been explicitly made baby. Face. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, that's a good point. They have no. That's what you need. You no need to use face. Willow to, to maybe get them. Well, we need to have Soraya and and the the what do they call them? They had some stupid name on it on AW as well. The the loser squad, right? They, they you have them, <laughs> them 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 kicking kicking Willow. They're going to spray Willow and Brit and Brit at all run out for the save. That can be the moment, you know, and, and Willow joins the gang. I think you need to use Willow and her, her likability in a sense to, to, to get the rest of the, the ladies across the bridge. So yeah, anything else from, uh, um, I don't remember. I don't think there's anything too important. If we even no. remember. um, the elite continue to underwhelm. I got to say, yeah, with their past, they, they're building to a, the reason why they're on a basketball court last week um, is, was leading to slam dunk, rampage slam dunk this week, which coincided with the all-star game, which I had no fucking idea about. Um, but they're still hanging around with basketballs backstage. And, you know, this this is Kenny Omega, who was the biggest star in Japan for years, and and mm-hmm. the Young Bucks, who were, who were the hottest tag team in wrestling. And I, I don't say they're like geeks, but their stock has severely fallen since they've started doing this trio thing. They come on screen and you're not like, fuck yeah, let's get your Omega. It's just mm. like fucking three, three goons. Goofs. Three goofy, goofs, exactly. Goofy goons. I'm, uh, part of me hopes that this House of Black thing will at least be a feud for them to do something interesting with. But I know it's just going to be House of Black doing their hocus pocus, hokey shit. And the elite being goofs. They'll sell it like the fucking Scooby-Doo. Oh, Jesus. And haunted yeah. basketball court. Do you know what the, the, the biggest problem with the elite right now is? Is fucking Brandon Cutler and Nakazawa yeah. running around like the biggest 
geeks in the world. Absolutely agree. Absolutely Split agree. Split from them right away. The problem is they're their mates and blah, blah, blah. And it's, sorry, Nakazawa and, and Cutler, I think, work to an extent when the elite are heels. It was fine for what it was. Yeah, no, it was fine. But not not the when when Kenny Omega returned. Remember before the suspension, he did his big return. He had the uh, compression shirt on, and you were like, "Kenny Omega's back!" And he came out with like Don Callis and Nakazawa. Even at the time, it was like, oh. I I totally agree. Yeah, at the time, I was like, "This is such a waste." Get get a nice cushy HR role for Nakazawa. Um, Cutler can Cutler can just be uh, 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 do 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 the blog, but don't actually actively interact with like get away from them as soon as possible. Awful, awful stuff. That being said, their match with AR Fox and, and uh, Top Flight on Rampage was good again. It's all right. But uh, pro- I think the problem with the Elite as well is that since they won the belts and, and did the best of seven series, like what what's what have they been doing aside from just, they just have random matches with, with people. There's no feud there. There's nothing, there's no storyline uh, as a fan for us to to be invested in. And, and no. like you were saying as well, you, you referenced the basketball court. I mean, it's just it's just tacky shite. Like, it's just nothing compelling at all. And I was having this, uh, people just didn't want to hear this, I was having this argument with people on Twitter, and I was just kind of like, someone someone said that they, they you know, would, if they were Tony Khan, they'd give the elite whatever they want when their contract's up. I'm like, why? For what? Like, I wouldn't kick them out the door. They're great. I love, I love the, the Young Bucks, greatest tag team of all time. But, like, they feel like they're in this little bubble, do you know what I mean? And I, I, I said it in counter to some of the more praised WWE storylines, but I'll use it on AEW as well. My favorite thing now is Hangman versus Moxley because it's just, I'm tougher than you and I fucking knocked you on your ass. Oh, you knocked me on my ass. I got my justice orders. Okay, well, we're not finished with each other yet. Oh, I stole a pin from you, but you didn't really fucking beat me. So like that, that's just great. It's just visceral. You get it. You you, you can fucking never have watched a second of wrestling in your life and you, you can watch it and you get it. And then you watch the elite stuff and it's just cutesy mm. YouTube vlog fucking crap. Do you know what I mean? And it's just, and the thing about it is, you know it's their stuff. They love that stuff. And that's the problem. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like once upon a time, you know, after after whatever that episode of Dynamite was in, tw- in 2019, you know, TK, by all accounts, took the reins and said, okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm writing this show now. And it kind of feels like the, the elite over the years have been placated by being allowed to still do their shite. But at a certain point, I'd kind of like Khan to be like, you guys make a lot of money and you are super talented. You need to start doing things that look like the rest of this show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, And I hope, you know, this house of black feud, you know, I don't even mind if they do, if there's mind games involved and there's, there's this and that, but the core of the feud has to be that the house of black want to win the trios titles. And and you, you build everything around that rather than the focus being the house of black are spooky uh, magic men and and the titles are kind of the background to that yeah um because like like you say with the with the mox hangman uh feud sometimes it's like keep it simple stupid sometimes the most simple storyline is the most effective one you know totally um, so uh yeah i mean that being said i think the revolution card is looking is looking mighty good um, although we have two uh, two tag team battle royals oh, to uh, to endure over the next couple of weeks, why are they not just doing a normal rematch? Like I just don't understand that. Yeah, and how what they claim just go? Oh yeah, we're in that match. 
<laughs> yeah. Why does it? This makes no sense. Yeah. Oh. God. I mean, granted, one of one of my least favorite tropes in wrestling is the champions entitled to a rematch gimmick. Oh, of course, yeah. No, that, I get that, you. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in in sports. Um, in boxing, it does. They have, you have rematch well, it, not if it's a comprehensive win for the other guy. They'll only do it if it's a. But they don't. They don't have to do the. They could. They could do the battle royal and have the acclaimed win. They could do that. Why it's like because this is the worst of both worlds. It's the acclaimed automatically get a rematch, well, but this, also we're doing this, two battle royals. This is the problem of the of the the trope is that you know you could have the acclaimed win the battle royal, but then then the logic becomes why didn't they just ask for the rematch instead of going through the battle royal and, and mm-hmm. you just go around the loop. But I'm I'm happy with them saying because you don't just get one. I'm happy like they, like the, you know Tony Schiavone can just say that on commentary, just you know that the that the uh, the um, the acclaim were told you don't just get. A, I think, I'm pretty sure they have said that in the past. There's obviously been rematches, but but you know um, they have they have said a little bit of a precedent. But anyway, um, that's the re- revolution is looking good. It is looking good. Uh, I will say that. Uh, anything else for dynamite before we move on? Rampage was quite. No, actually, Rampage wasn't good. Main event was good. Dustin Rhodes and um, Swerve Strickland. Oh, I, I did want to watch that. I did want to watch. And that. Speaking of Back to the Future, Keith Lee's like traveled through time. He's like twenty years older now than last time I saw him. <laughs> he's yeah. He's got grey hair, no beard. Is it is it, it, it grey or is it like bleach? Well, I thought it was bleach. Like no, it, 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 it looks like he's not dyed it. it, it is because oh, oh okay. He's a bit of a silver fox anyway, and he's been he's been painting on the old hair. Okay, the last, I get the last you. Um, and and he's talked about it on interviews before that he like pre he, pe- people accuse Keith Lee of being older than he lets on. Now he says, and I I, I don't have no no reason not to believe Keith Lee, but he says that you know he just prematurely kind of lost color in his hair, which is fine. But uh, he came out he came out here he was looking old. <laughs> he was looking old. I'll, I'll say that much. Um. So there's maybe something to the old Vince McMahon thing of get that get that fucking silver out of your beard, Champa. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Keith, Keith Lee showing up was good. Although although where were they this week? Were they still in Texas? Because mm. the crowd wasn't great in uh, wherever they El, were. El Paso, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I thought Rampage was okay. I agree that the the main event. Well, whenever you have Swerve involved, it's obviously going to be great. And and also. Um, most importantly, they did the old Mark Henry interview and the two boys before the main event instead of yeah. the video package. Good. Shit. Good ten shit. times ten times better than the fucking video packages. And then he said, It's time for the main event. Oh, there was a bit on uh, Rampage as well where Mark Henry was interviewing Orange Cassidy. Or there there wasn't interviews, there was having a chat backstage. Mm. Wheeler Yuta came up and, and they had a match. For some reason, for a second, I thought Mark Henry was going to challenge him to a match. <laughs> oh, now that would be great. Because they were talking about an open challenge, and Mark Henry looked like, mm, I'm going to... I got, I got plenty got left, left in the tank. In the tank. <laughs> I wonder, does he? He must be able to do one more match. I'd say um, his knees are probably completely shot. At this he also, he, yeah, he may not want to is the other thing. And, and like, they seem... They only did one with no more BS, and I think they were like, all right, that's enough of that. Although apparently he's he's coming back for for in match shape, he wants to he wants to do Captain Insano. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember that one time Taz put Cody in the Taz mission and it never led to anything. Wait, did he in AW? Classic, Classic yeah, yeah, AW. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he was talking shit about Hook. 
training. Oh with them. yeah. He was like, "You fucked up. You can't believe you fucking said that, bro." Put him in the transmission. That was great. <laughs> that, was, that yeah. Let's give it a few years. That'll pay off. Yeah, yeah it could still happen. You gotta play the the long game. Play the long game. You know, don't judge it until anyway. the story is finished. You know. That's why. That's why Cody went back to WWE. He was running scared. Didn't want to put Taz over. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. I mean, I, I put it on the run sheet here. I don't think there's anything really to talk about with Ariel Helwani and, and, and Tony Khan. Um, just what a fucking embarrassment it is. Yeah, just Helwani is now fully kind of, you know, roving reporter on WWE program. He, you know, he's, he's been working for BT Sport, covering WWE for like two years. That's the funny thing as well, because but I think I think I think the reason it blew up this week is kind of Helwani and, and also Satin to a certain extent. They have that plausible deniability to an extent where they go, well, I'm you may think I'm doing shill work, but I don't work for WWE. I work for Fox and I work for BT sport. Mm. I don't work for WWE. And, and I thought that hasn't changed, but, they, but I guess, I guess people like Tony feel agitated that he then he's now showing up as a, as a character on the show for lack of a better term. Um, and <laughs> went off on him and uh, during rampage, got the rampage hashtag in there as he always likes to do. And uh, I, 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 I wasn't a fan of it, to be honest. I thought it came off like mm. really low rent really low rent whatever to be whatever to be going after wwe but be going after this first of all mma journalist doesn't isn't really known as a wrestling guy anyway but he's doing he's doing wrestling stuff now yeah but like again i i I don't want to hand wave it away but like for tony to get in such a tiz about this fucking thing that doesn't matter no of course of course my 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 thing though is that there's there's more with these two personally than just yeah, there was the interview Ariel went went in on Tony Khan as well. Yeah, and and I think I think I, I think it was a series of events. I think it was Death by a Thousand Cuts. He went he, he went in on Tony Khan, which Tony Khan doesn't handle well anyway. I think that's well known. He 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 gives his extremely diplomatic, unspecific answers, and then there was the the whole thing where people expected Helwani to ask more pressing questions of Triple H. Um, and that's where the WWE stuff kind of comes in, and 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 you know he 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 I I think you can do either or. I think you can absolutely put Tony Khan's feet to the flames, but by that token, I think you also have to go into your fucking interview with Triple H and say, here, um, you know, your father-in-law is um a sex criminal, and that um, did you know about that or, or what was going on there, Paul? Exactly. I think you have to pick if you want to, if you want to do, um, fluff, your campaign has the momentum of a runaway freight train. You can do that, but then you have to, you, you have to, you know, go to Tony Khan and say, how do you book so well? I think you have to do that. I think you have to do, you have to do it both. Do you know what I mean? You can't, I, I think you yeah. can't. And I, I think the, I think, I, I, I think it was just, it was, I think him actually showing up on SmackDown was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, now, listen, if I'm, if I'm a promoter, am I, am I, am I behaving like Tony Khan? No, but um, I do also. I, I actually thought his tweet was like facetious when I first saw it. No, I he's joking or serious. No, I, I, whenever he does stuff like that, I'm like, I don't think he's ever joking. To be honest, I think, yeah. I think, he, stuff like that, like, like we've seen, there's been enough examples of it now where, like, you know, he's obviously he does the weird kind of plug attached to the end of it, but that's just, I mean, that's just. Him but this, a- this comes back to something we were talking about years ago when AW launched, and I feel like they've kind of fallen fallen into the trap already with the the brawl out stuff and the, the various fights and so on. But when we talk, we talked back in the day about how important it was that WWE, WWE, AEW 
had the like goodwill of the fans because it was something that WWE had long lost. And with stuff like this, where Tony is, is is really not coming off well when he does this kind of thing, I think it just kind of chips away at that foundation mm. more and more, you know? Because um, AEW at its core is is an alternative, but also it it was, it was I don't think it's anymore, it was kind of promoted as a place where it's, it's kind of the grass is greener on the other side. It's a happier place for wrestlers and fans to go. And that was so important, that feeling of the early days to kind of hold on to that. I just feel like over the years, he's let that kind of grasp slip and slip and slip and slip. And yeah, I mean, the 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 polite and and, and uh, proper thing to have done here would have been simply to, to let it go. But uh, the very uh, f- funny thing is for Tony Khan to, to jump up and down and throw a tantrum and weave it into a a little web of comedy for us to enjoy, but it's, 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 you know, I think he he came off extremely poorly. I don't think Helwani either way cares or, or it really changes how people's opinion of him, but like, Oh, I I think think he cares. I think, I, I, I think less of Helwani for fucking being such an obvious suck up for it. Dog shit. He's not a journalist. He's a, just a fucking jerk. But, that, but but yeah, but that's exactly. But some people would say the opposite. Some people would say, "Oh no, he's a he's great." Do you know what I mean? He's a yeah, he's a fucking idiot. But this but this is the, but this is the thing. I mean, like I I you know I I I I I think he I think he is great at what he does on the in the MMA space. Yeah. I don't particularly care. Wasn't he also getting paid by UFC when he was reporting on them? No, he was. Yeah, I mean, look, look, trust me. There are people who have hated him forever. You know, he's not. He 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 is not Mister Beloved. Do you know what I mean? He's not. He's not a universally adored figure. Um, I I just think this this thing of 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 people want to have their cake and eat it too, and 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 buddy up to WWE in a corporate sense, but then also not at all be scrutinized. And I'm not even just talking about Tony Khan because that's, you know, he's fucking Tony Khan and he's going to do what he's going to do. I, 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 like I said, I wouldn't act like him if I was him, but I do think people are sucker for the WWE brand and are, are taken aback when people go, okay, well, I'm, I'm judging your credibility somewhat. Do you know what I mean? And not just by being on there. It's the, it's the triple H interview as well. Do you know what I mean? It's the, it's a little bit of everything. Um, but well, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm going to do the thing now where I say, "Well, when I met Errol Hawani, he was very nice to me." Okay, and did he, did he tell you about Vincent Mann's crimes? <laughs> he didn't bring it up. He didn't bring it up. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, we will uh, we will move out of wrestling golf here and we move on to wrestling. I not wrestling. We're moving out of wrestling. Get out of here, wrestling! I never want to see you again. Anyway. <laughs> it's it's the it's the mo throwing Barney out of. <laughs> no, it's back again. All right, Ariel Hawani. Come on, let's get into it. Um, no, we're going to talk about movies. Uh, I have not seen any movies, so you boys are going to have to take me through the 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 movie golf for this week. What? What? Who's seen what? seen a couple of movies saw a charming charming little animated uh film called marcel the shell with shoes on it's on my oscar list i gotta see it so i'm interested to hear what you think it's brilliant um it was on a very limited run it was only on for like three nights at our local picture house it's very hard to see which is a shame because it's a great movie and it's not particularly like inaccessible it's not like a really weird movie the concept is um this documentary filmmaker moves into an airbnb and discovers a uh anthropomorphic shell with a little googly eye that is 
alive is his own person. Uh, it's called Marcel. And it's this very adorable little shell, a, li- a literal like shell from the sea uh, that can walk around and, and talks and can eat things and all this kind of thing. And so he kind of follows his shell around. And he's like, oh, you know, interviewing him and making this documentary about him. And then it kind of explodes, goes viral on the internet. Uh, and then there's kind of a bit of a deeper story to it about Marcel, Marcel the shell's kind of history. But it's such a very, very funny movie, incredibly sweet, very sort of idiosync- <laughs> idiosyncratic, um, uh, very, very, very funny. And Je- Jenny Slate, the comedian, does the voice of Marcel, and Isabella Rossellini does the voice of Marcel's grandmother. Very good casting. Who's yeah. also a shell. Um, yeah. And it's just very funny and, and sweet. And it it is... I wish Pixar still made movies like this. They they don't anymore. They just do right. a Bug's Life Seven or whatever. You know, one of those Monsters Inc. Uh, prequel six. You know, these kind of things. They right. don't do anything that yeah. feels very heartfelt and very make actually take you know, brings you to tears with you know the power of the kind of animation and these very engaging characters. Um, but it did. It was. I thought it was fantastic, and I um I think it probably deserved the BAFTA and the Oscar for me. I think it was one. I mean, I didn't see the Pinocchio, but I trust Paul's opinion that it was uh, not very good. Um, but Marcel the Shell was, was brilliant. Very good. I'm looking forward, go. forward to Definitely it. Definitely check it out. Um, also watched a movie called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is uh, an abortion movie. Um, came out in 2020. It's about a young teenage girl who gets pregnant and then because of the restrictive abortion laws in her state, she has to travel to another to, to kind of get an abortion. There's no kind of big twist to it. It's a very kind of realistic portrayal of a young girl trying to get an abortion. Hmm. Um, I thought it was good. And I thought, you know, the performances were, the, the main performance was very good. Some of the supporting were, you know, okay to good. Um, I didn't think it offered much kind of different uh, in terms of telling that story. It was just a very kind of realistic accurate portrayal of it um but i don't think it's a surprise that it's hard to get an abortion in america i think most people are probably quite aware of that and of uh, roe versus wade and everything so it didn't to me like it didn't it didn't elevate the movie beyond that at all in terms of the story unlike the uh, i can't remember the name of the movie i think it was the happening the french movie abortion movie that we reviewed last year where it felt almost like a horror movie, like it was so well done. There was nothing like that to kind of take it to to the next level, but it's it was still a you know a good, well well crafted kind of indie movie. So okay, yeah, that's our, our pantheon of abortion movies. I'm sure that will continue because that's lovely Michelle's favorite genre. So she was <laughs> Jesus. Um, so that's my movies. A couple of good movies. I also rewatched Black Panther. Michelle watched it for the first time, and actually quite enjoyed it a lot more than the first time for me. Mm. I think the expectations the first time. I don't remember when Black Panther came out, and everyone was like, "It's not just a great superhero movie. It's one of the greatest movies ever made." And it's, it's not really. It was quite a good superhero movie, but um, yeah, I think I enjoyed it more this time, especially Martin Freeman being the kind of token white guy in it, uh, popping up doing his little face. That was. Uh, it's very funny and surreal. Uh, yeah, good, good movies. All right, I've only seen two Oscar movies this week, so I'm sorry about that. Usually, I see three. How would you? Hate I, you? I, I, I took time to go watch a movie which is not Oscar nominated, sadly. Uh, so I watched uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, a Netflix 
uh, exclusive, which is nominated for Best Picture, among other other awards. Um, a few misconceptions I had about this movie. Number one, I didn't realize it was it was a, a war movie. I thought it was a Western for some reason. I'm coming off massively idiotic here, so sorry about that. Um, was it the word Western that threw you? <laughs> Possibly. Give away. Um, yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front. Like, it, it's a movie name. It's a silent probably, movie as well, is it? Or? Well, I was going to say, it's a movie name that people are probably very familiar with. Because <laughs> it, 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 to me, might sounded like the kind of thing, like A Star is Born, that's probably remade already a few times. Right. Yeah. It's the first re- adaptation of it in like 100 years, I feel. Wow. I, I think I heard. Um, I think it's, an, it's from, it was like the third best picture winner ever in like the 1930s. Oh, wow. Um, the original, I mean, not the new one. Um, also... I watched, started watching on Netflix. I was, I was kind of into it. And then about 15 minutes in, I realized, wait a minute. Is there a problem with my with my sound bar here? Because the, the, the words aren't matching the mouths. Here. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Der Film ist auf Deutsch. Ah. Nicht auf Englisch. Nein, nein. <laughs> I, had no, I had no... I didn't realize it was a German language movie. I, did, I was so ignorant of this film. So it's a German language movie. Set during the First World War, okay, uh, tells a very similar story to your your Dunkirk or your nineteen seventeen. Basically, these young lads who who get sold the 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 dream, sold yeah. sold the glory and splendor mm-hmm. of 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 becoming men and going out to war, yeah, and uh, and like like those movies it tells a story of of their journey and their experiences through various uh, situations and battles etc sorry on the subject of it being in german so you you saw a dub i assume is it as soon as i realized it was dubbed i changed it to original languages oh, okay. subtitles I, i'm one of those people no i people that's not snooty that is just the better way to watch the correct Thank way you very to watch much it. i tr- i watched about 20 minutes of squid game with the dubbed voices and i was like I, this is I yeah. can't do this. This is not the way to watch. Now, it to be fair, this. the dubbed voices weren't bad. As I said, I didn't even realize it until I noticed the mouth wasn't matching. But as soon no, as I, yeah. did, I, I changed over, but still, yeah. Um, I will say I thought it was very good. So we'll start off with that. It's 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 uh, got a great great score, which is is it, it almost has kind of a very modern, almost electro score, which you rarely will see in a movie of this kind. It, but it really kind of adds to the the kind of sense of dread it's it's, it's very minimalistic but it's it's very uh, almost like um han zimmer inception but with much more of an electric twist on it so very synthesizer but like doomy at the same time i will say despite the fact that i enjoyed it and the performances were great as well i think a problem with the war genre is that you can only do so much with it at least with, when you're basing on the First World War, Second World War, I think there's only so many times you can show the horror of war, the true <laughs> horror. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like I've seen the true horror of war already 10 times at this stage. So, so when you have lads getting blown up and their legs coming off, you know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Like, like again, to put it into perspective, I saw Holocaust footage at school when I was like, 11 years old so a hollywood movie about the horror of war in in, in comparison comes off as, as relatively tame um i'll also say in in the year of our lord 2023 when you do the thing of um sorry my 
laptop charger has come out. Let me just quickly fix that. I'm also not going to edit this out of the show. So listeners, you're getting a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, in the year of our Lord 2023, I don't know how impactful it is to do the thing where you hard cut from lads getting blown up and their legs coming off to the generals. Oh, it's more tea, general. <laughs> My caviar. Oh, the caviar is simply too cold. Send it back. Take it back. <laughs> It's like, I get it. I, I, you know, we've done this many, 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 many. Tell times. Chef I want my soldier entrails medium rare this evening, please. And, and, and All Quiet on the Western Front, which, again, to be fair, is based, I think this is an adaptation of, of the book. It was a book originally. It, um, it does that a lot. And so it'll, it'll hard cut to big, decadent uh, dining rooms. And, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Um, Nevertheless, I thought it, I thought it was very good. Great, perf- the performances are kind of uh, and the score are what carry it uh, and kind of elevate it above being a run of the mill uh, war modern war movie. Um, but I will say, like I said, the, the the parts of the movie where that are supposed to be devastating and or repulsive, I kind of felt like through no fault of the film's own that I've just kind of I've seen it before, and so the impact was kind of lost on me, you know. But nevertheless, worth a watch. One of one of the better um, Oscar moves I've seen so far. Um, then off to the cinema we went because, as I said, that previous movie's on Netflix. Off to the cinema to tick another box and see my good friend Darren Aronofsky, who uh, <laughs> who uh, every movie I've seen of his I've quite enjoyed. Uh, go see the Whale, starring everyone's favorite uh, Renaissance actor. Brendan Fraser. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when it comes to Aronofsky, I know that I feel like he's, he's quite hit and miss with people, uh, at least since kind of Black Swan. I think Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan. Um, everyone kind of if if you don't necessarily enjoy Requiem for a Dream, I think everyone kind of at least at least recognizes as a important film. Um, Mother, I quite enjoyed, but I know a lot of people weren't hot on Mother. Yeah. I liked it. Um, I never saw Noah. Uh, I quite like The Fountain, but I don't know that many people have seen that one. Um, and then we come to The Whale, uh, which is 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 at least being marketed as kind of Brendan Fraser's return to return to the big leagues. Um, so he plays Charlie, who's a a large lad who is uh, teaching online uh, writing courses professionally. But he, he's obviously very self-conscious about how he looks. He doesn't put his webcam on while he's teaching these classes, for example. He's estranged from his uh, wife, his ex-wife and daughter, um, for reasons that become apparent in the film. And he's kind of isolated himself and is living in his apartment. He doesn't ever leave his apartment, uh, for both for physical and mental reasons. And so the film is basically a, a sequence of people coming to visit and interact with him inside the house. So it's it's a, a movie that takes place in, in, in one location. It's like a, a bottleneck film, I think they call it, uh, based on a 2012 play by Samuel D. Hunter, who also wrote the screenplay. And uh, it definitely feels very uh, stagey, very mm. very play, uh, play-like, mm. and not in a way that feels like it was... Um, cleverly integrated into uh, a cohesive film. It's definitely 
Someone knocks on the door. <laughs> In they come. Hello, Charlie. I'm Mr. XYZ. Oh, gotta go now. Bye. Oh, let me just do a little little soliloquy here. Oh, another <laughs> knock on the door. Who's this? So I will say right off the bat, didn't like this at all. Okay. Uh, Fraser is good in it. I don't think he's out of this world good. There's the one bit that if you've seen a trailer for it, you, you've probably seen the the bit of the best bit of acting he does. Yeah. Doing the, <laughs> oh, the one good thing I did in my life. I mean, the rest of the movie. I mean, he's good. Don't get don't get me wrong. He's good, but I don't know. The film feels very. Uh, very inorganic in the way that it's done. It, it, it's very obviously based on a play. Like I said, it doesn't do anything interesting with that fact. I mean, like something like um, The Father, Father, which was yeah. also based on a play. But I, I mean, to be fair, with uh, with um, Dementia, you can play a little bit more with the timelines and do that more interestingly. But with The Whale, it just seemed like they just didn't bother. There was nothing. Because Charlie, there's, there's quite a few times in the movie where he like falls asleep. And it does have a day-by-day sequence. It'll flash up like Monday, Tuesday. But they never use that to, to play with the timeline or the sequence of events. I will say as well, the characters in the movie are universally unlikable. Right. And are written such way. To the point that, and I've heard this um, criticism made elsewhere, which is that the whale's biggest problem isn't that it's a bad film. It's that it's a film based on a bad play. Okay. Mm. And the fact that the screenplay of the film was written by the guy who wrote the play means that you don't have any improvements made thereof. Um, the story uh, is very straightforward. There are revelations in the movie towards the end that I, I just shrugged at. Yeah. Revelations that are surface level and don't give you any further insight into the characters like he has a, 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 a basically a non relationship with his his daughter who he's not seen in many many years. She shows up for for one reason or another, right? And then towards the end of the film, like he he's very like I want to be in your life, I want to interact with you. You're a great kid, blah blah. And then towards the end of the film, there's a, a, what I call it a revelation where I won't say what it is, but it's relating to his relationship with his daughter. And I, and I was like, well, that that might have worked better if his character was kind of acting like harsher towards the daughter and it can be like a moment of oh he did care all along but at, like over throughout the course of the film we're being you know knocked over the head with he wants to be in his daughter's life and blah blah mm-hmm. and so when the film ended i didn't feel like his character had been through any yeah real arc in that regard you know um the daughter is a is a horrible character the wife is a horrible character both in terms of they are horrible acting and they are poorly written yeah um I think the film only got nominated for at least from the awards that I watch. I think best actor for for uh, Fraser, and I think um, Hong Chao got a best supporting actress. I think, and she's she's good in it to be fair. But again, her character is is pretty one note. I think that's one of the biggest problems with the movie is that the characters don't feel particularly fleshed out. And actually, there's a bit when he's writing his uh, or he's doing his writing class. And, uh, you know, he, 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 a big thing that he's into is the truth in your writing. Like, don't write what you think is how good writers write or, or write about a subject, but just be honest and tell, tell me what you think. And that's, that's the most pure form of writing. That's his big thing. So when he's trying to get his daughter into writing, she writes an essay and the essay is basically amounts to like 
lines taken from a Wikipedia article. Mm. And I felt like the film had about the same depth as that. Um, just very, very surface level. None of the characters I felt went through a great much development, if any at all. There's one character in particular who shows up who's like a, a Christian missionary who I just didn't buy at all. His arc is completely ridiculous as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was basically aside from the two performances which which are nominated, which even I don't know if they're even Backwards. have any chance winning based on their quality. Like Fraser might win based on the old um, transformation performance. It's kind of like it, it's it's the. I kind of am dreading watching this because it seems like movies can be Oscar bait and still be really good. This looks like the most lowest common denominator. It look like like the traders are so off putting. It looks like the most base level. Uh, everything everything negative people say about the Academy confirm it by making this film and watching it getting a load of acclaim. Uh, it looks just really treacly saccharine disingenuous well he, he, Frazier's character is that he's he's yeah. so he so sees the the best in everybody he's so positive and there's one bit yeah, where he yeah. says he's Getting talking to Ricky the wife he, ass character yeah. exactly but he's talking to the wife and he says you're such a cynic and she says well you're always so positive well I gotta balance you out but he, like he doesn't come <laughs> off like a real human like he, he's just in the face of these horrible horrible people he's just always a shining light and blah 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 and um, well isn't that lovely isn't that lovely? And yeah, but I mean, at the same time, the 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 elephant in the room is is don't Fraser. say Fraser. <laughs> no, but Fraser, Fraser playing this character and how the portrayal of a character like that is done. And obviously, he's portrayed on one hand as very sympathetic, overly so, to my opinion. Like I say, I think it's a, I think it's pretty mawkish throughout. But then also, there's scenes where he's like gorging himself on Ugh. like two slices of pizza at the same time with mayonnaise on top. And it's it's shot and done to make you feel repulsed by it. Yeah. And so on one hand, it's, it's well, look at the beauty within. And on the other hand, it's like, well, look at this fat pig over here. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, well which one is it? And then you on know? top of everything else, it's a it's a prosthetic. It's not even a real fat person. It's like a it's a it's an of the moment character actor. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which I, I I don't necessarily have a huge problem with that, but you know the way the character is portrayed is so muddied that okay, you can read into the meta of how it was cast. But I mean, obviously, based on how the character is portrayed, I don't think they they could give a fuck basically about that. But yeah, I mean, I I thought it was I thought it was. Um, I thought it was I thought it was fairly rubbish, and I and I know a lot of people who who, who liked it more than me. Even I saw it with, with my brother; he, he he enjoyed it. But I just thought, I mean, I, to, to, I, this is going to sound harsh, but I think it was the first movie movie I saw in the cinema since Gone Girl, where I just fucking couldn't wait for it to end. Um, not that I considered leaving during it, but I just I thought it was I thought it was very naff. It, it was, and also visually, it doesn't do anything interesting with the fact that it's set in one. It just feels like a play. It's not shot. With, with with clever fucking angles or they don't use like he, he'll often watch when people leave there's like a window like a half in the bag style shuttered window and you'll see them go past never do anything interesting with that or or, or play on the fact why he's watching them or it, it's just very it's, it's all very surface level and all very dissatisfying so the whale i gotta give it a big thumbs down i'm afraid in in, in happier news go on we saw the whale not satisfied. Let's go see Knock at the Cabin, the new mm. M. Night Shyamalan film starring Big Dave Batista. 
real filmmaker and a real actor. A real auteur with a real actor. Let me tell you guys. I know we are fans on this podcast on this podcast of cabins. <laughs> the mayor may, may, may not exist in the woods. I will say it's it's my second favorite film in the genre. Okay. I don't think it's quite reaches the madness of of Cabin in the Woods. But for me, I don't think it, it, it's far off. Um so Shyamalan is back. I think it's probably my favorite film of his since, wow, okay. since Signs or the maybe The Village, which I know people don't rate The Village. I think The Village is great. I'm so sorry. Um, so stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, uh, Rupert Grint as well of Harry Potter fame. He plays a man with an American accent in it. And it's classic Shyamalan, you know, fair. It's, it's, it, and actually, Knock at the Cabin and The Whale have, have certain similarities, except that Knock at the Cabin is good. Uh, both take place in primarily one location. Both feature um, gay couples who are, uh, which which isn't ever played for like, ooh, or it's just completely the most normal thing. And actually, in, in in the case of Knock at the Cabin, makes the film work even better than if it were a straight woman, which I won't you know give away. But the fact that they're a gay couple makes it just work. Um, but yeah, essentially the story is that the, this couple and their adopted daughter are Aaron Holiday's at a cabin in the woods, and four people show up, of which Dave Bautista is is uh, one of them, big hulking man. Hmm. And uh, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know this. They. Um, they say to these people that there's a, a situation afoot that they need to listen to them. The four of them are here to stop the apocalypse. And the only way they can stop it is if one of the three, the, two, the, the couple and the daughter, if one of the three willingly sacrifice themselves for the good of mankind to be killed by the other two. So that's your, mm. that's your gambit straight from the beginning. Um, right. It is, it is very, very good. The performances across the board are great. Let's just for a second as take take ourselves out, out of the world of wrestling, which we're, so, we're we're so entrenched. What a class act Dave Batiste is! I gotta say, yeah. he he's absolutely wonderful in this. Perfect casting. So mm. so Batiste's character here, obviously, in the sense of you, if you've seen something like us, you know, you have the scary people at the door. It definitely has that element too. And Batista is this huge. Uh, mountain of a man, but his character is is very much uh, a gentle giant. And and for Batista, it's such. A, it's, I mean, I I saw a tweet recently where it was comparing him to The Rock, and it was Batista's. You know, The Rock promoting the movie. Shout out to the troops for you know blah 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 blah. And Batista was like, Oh gosh, I hope you can overlook my ugliness for this role. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like. I, I actually preferred Batista's performance in Knock at the Cabin to Fraser's performance in The Whale. In terms of pure quality, I think like Batista is is surely at some point. This is going to sound like a bold prediction. I don't think he's far away from from an Oscar nomination. To be honest, I thought he was class in it. Mm. Um, because definitely in this movie, you know, you have your preconceived preconceived notions of what are protagonists and what are antagonists and this movie i think plays with those expectations quite a lot um you know you have as i mentioned you have dave batista knocking on the door but he's playing a gentle giant so how does that exactly work out with what your preconceived notions are um 
and so yeah, it, it, it's um, I think as far as Shyamalan goes, it's it's a very efficient movie. It's not maybe as twisty as you might consider Shyamalan to to be. You know, because Shyamalan is known as a guy who go to the the twist well maybe once too often. Here, yeah. here the quality is, is, is or the 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 uncertainty is just spread out throughout the whole movie. I don't think it necessarily takes a sharp right turn right at the very end into stupidity like old recently I enjoyed and then hated the ending. The Village is a movie I enjoy, but I know a lot of people really don't like the twist in that. I think uh, Knock at the Cabin is just far stronger throughout. It kind of, in a sense, is is the reverse in that it starts with its gambit and just goes from there. Right. In a fairly linear way. Um. Yeah, I was just t- I was totally into the story. I mean, it, it's it's a little bit silly, like I said, but if you buy into it, you can go along with the the situation and the tension and the the decision making and how do you convince a couple with a child for one of them to be killed by the other two? How how do you convince them to do that? And then there's also meta narratives at play, which I won't I won't get into for fear of spoiling it. But there's there's a religious element and a a social media element and a, a how how news organizations operate today and. Hmm online influence on people and so on and so forth but i thought it was really uh, a little a little uh, a little gem a little underappreciated gem which only came out last week and already was since fucking ant-man and the wasp in the quantum realm came out knock on the cabin was already <sighs> already uh booted to the old one screening a day in only a few cinemas at nine in the evening that's so. depressing that's depressing. And let me tell you, I thought I thought it was great. I, I want to see it before it leaves the cinema. And, and Dave Batista, like, oh. and I, I actually, I was watching um, Mark Kermode's reviews after I'd seen him, and he was basically saying exactly the same thing about me about both films. And he wasn't as hot on Knock on the Cabin as me, but they were just saying like, "How great is Dave Batista?" <laughs> It's so refreshing to see movie people have that same opinion, mm. uh, and non wrestling people be be so into Batista, and he's he's definitely like the star that carries this movie on his back. Not that the other the other performances are great, but like Batista is is really really excellent in it, and it's 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 a great little movie, and it's only an hour and a half long. Yeah, let's keep doing that. Movies, mm-hmm. it's it's a perfect length. It doesn't overstay its welcome, but it doesn't feel short either. It, it's just ends right when it should big 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 thumbs up on uh on knock at the cabin big thumbs down in the whale and all quiet in the western front thumbs up not quite as big as dave batista's thumb okay yeah i, I really want to see knock at the cabin uh the, the 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 buzz has been has been really really um really engaging yeah really enjoyable Alrighty, uh that is the movie guff for the week uh, we'll jump over to Telegoff. We'll do our, our weekly check-in with, with The Last of Us. I enjoyed your... I think I pretty much agreed with you guys on, on the four and five conversation from, from last mm. week, you know. Uh, I, I, I gave it I gave it a, I, I gave it the old let it play out for episode four, but I, I, I thought all the, the, the revolutionary stuff was, was a big whiff. Um, and to my great surprise, because she's usually great, I, I, I didn't think it was much of a turn from Melanie Linsky, but admittedly the material wasn't there either. Yeah. Um I I thought that was a detraction. Um but I thought the Sam and Henry stuff was very good. Um so I enjoyed that quite a lot. I think I think um they did well. Uh, episode 6 this week. Um I thought was maybe their best yet 
um, for the whole effing series, with the caveat that I would almost hold episode three's self-containedness against it, in a way, to the point where you could chop about two minutes of Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey out of it, and it could just be a thing from any show you've ever seen mm. before. Uh, nothing. Look, it's great. It was a great episode of TV, and I, I thought they tied it in quite well. But I thought episode six, I thought we got to some really great meat and potato character moments. Do you know what I mean? Cut to the cut to the kind of core of the Joel character pretty plainly, and the Joel character and the Ellie character as well. Um, uh, and I, I thought the the world building was good. I thought the the, the reveal of the new location um, mm. and ended on a, a really gripping finale. I I thought it was great. I thought it was legitimately great. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What did you boys make of it? I thought it was um, very interesting that they finally reached like a real community, like a safe or a kind of all like pre pre mushroom. Um, right. apocalypse kind of community and that's when they both kind of fell apart <laughs> have been yeah. confronted with that normality suddenly their their kind of brokenness was like abnormal and they were like oh fuck what do we do now you know that, that was really interesting like that and um, so i was expecting i was expecting almost like a twist of oh it's secretly they're a cult and it's a big sex party going on or something <laughs> right. and they're gonna oh shit we need to get out of here but that, that well spoilers if you haven't seen it well you should have forwarded a bit earlier um but yeah, I, I really liked the way it played out and it kind of shone a light on the two of them to be in, in that scenario and to see how they reacted. And then the only thing I was a bit hesitant about was suddenly Joel had the uh, <laughs> the, the coughs, the uh, the old, <clears throat> oh, I'm not feeling too well. I wonder if I'm going to be sick a bit later on. You know, like <laughs> always happens in a movie. As soon as a character's like, oh, I don't feel good. I was... Well. I was so worried. I was like, knowing knowing broadly what the conclusion of the episode was going to be is, mm. I was like, you know, because they've changed things here and there about the game, and I was kind of like, oh, if he if he drops dead of a heart attack that they just started teasing in this episode, that would be terrible. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like that would be so hokey, um, especially because this is a show where, um, you know, I, I I think one thing I uh, that's kind of been weird about this show is that they they do blitz through story uh, content um mm. uh, like you know the sam and henry as an example are effectively in one episode not even really counting for they're in one episode and they have their entire arc and then they're done and so i was like when he started when he looked like he was having a heart palpitations early on and i was like oh my god they're not going to introduce this and then and then at the end of the episode he, he keels over um but yeah um yeah, I, I was a bit iffy on that. What did you make of it, Paul? Oh, I thought it was I thought it was great. I I I wouldn't necessarily think hold hold it above episodes two or three, but I thought it was very good. Um yeah, the old the old trope of uh when someone starts coughing in a movie, they're not long for the world. <laughs> it's definitely uh interesting that they, they, they are teasing that, but then obviously he got the old uh the old golden globe in the gut. Um, <laughs> which I thought I thought I know I I'm I'm not a proponent of well in the game blah 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 but I felt like that was almost like it like in the first episode that was almost kind of underplayed to an extent yes how that happened yeah um there was one one guy and they have a little scuffle oh I've been stabbed um, I just feel like that moment could have been a little bit bigger um, yeah um, yeah I mean I think the episode, yeah, I think Joe made a great point. Was the juxtaposition of them finally reaching normality and and falling apart at that moment? I thought was very good, very clever way of doing it as well. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable with a great little um, stinger at the end. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm very interested now to see the reaction for for next week's episode, knowing what we know about it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you know. I think we can, you know, we being you and I, Paul, and anyone else who's played, you can you can plot out almost exactly what the last three episodes are going to be, what the, what the content of yes. them are going to be. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, but the um, I I the, the, I like the, the so in in the game they have the the big argument where she reveals she knows about Sarah and and then they basically just kind of does a, does a combat encounter because it's a video game. Um, and then, <laughs> of course. And then there's like a lot of solemn kind of writing in silence, like a little musical montage. And similar to the the game, they basically just kind of similar to the TV show. They basically kind of presented that he basically just kind of mulls it over and decides to take a chance. I thought again, another area where the show actually may have even improved was I thought the conversation where Joel kind of bears his soul to Tommy, which is completely unique. It's, it's, it's unique just to the TV show. I thought it crystallized the character of Joel really well and made him making that choice towards the end of the episode to, to still stick with Ellie made that click a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? I, I thought it was very nicely done. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 a lot of the original confrontation between Joel and Tommy is cut. They basically rewrote that whole thing. There's not, there's not a lot from the original conversation uh, in there, but I thought it worked for the best. Um, and yeah, I, I would agree that the ending was a little bit abrupt. It feels like it felt to me like they were going for a bit more of a, um, uh, like almost Omar in the wire thing where they kind of, they didn't want it to be the super dramatic thing where you realize uh, Joel's like impaled. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, I, I remember the first time I watched the wire th- thinking, Oh, is that is like, and I was like, well, that's kind of what they're going for. You know, it's, 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 they wanted to catch you off guard and, and, and it's not always this dramatic swell of music and, and the hero goes down in a blaze of glory. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's the exact opposite of that, which I think is what they were going for there. Uh, in the game, it's a, it's a, it kind of is a big dramatic music swelling moment. They're, uh, they're in the university. They see the little monkeys and all that, and they realize that everyone's gone. Um, uh, and then a couple of, uh, a hoodlum stumbles upon them and Joel falls off a, it's like second story or something like that. Isn't it, uh, Paul? I don't know. Yeah. Onto a, a bit of rebar. He gets rebar through his belly. Um, and, um, again, because it's a video game, there's a whole sequence where Ellie has to carry him through and you have to fight enemies and get to the horse. And it's, it's a very kind of music swelling, you you know, they're, they're saying they're doomed dialogue to each other. Um, uh, whereas this was a little bit more, you know, it just kind of happened, but, um, yeah, no, I really liked it. I think, I think, I think, uh, Bella Ramsey has really come into her own in the last two episodes. I think it's been phenomenal. Um. Uh, yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Very excited for for next week. Um. And uh, yeah, I'm also interested to what the reaction will be to well the next three weeks. Like, I because it's all it's all kind of we're in the business end of the of, of things now. Do you know what I mean? So I think the next three weeks are going to have things where it'll be interesting to see new fans' reaction to everything. Uh, I mean, especially episodes eight and nine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um. The the. Um, yeah, I, I it'll, yeah. Once we actually get to the last episode, it'll be interesting to kind of rehab the conversation. I, I feel like they're going to do the exact ending. I feel like down to the, I think down to the, 
second. I think they're going to do the exact ending. It'll be interesting to rehave those conversations because it was a very interesting game to dissect when it came out, the ending. Um, and I think I think the next three episodes are going to be very interesting. But yeah, uh, that's that's our, our weekly Last of Us um, uh, catch-up. Uh, what else you boys been watching? I haven't I haven't watched anything else um, this week. I've not not done a lot of media consuming. What have you boys been been watching? Yeah, I watched the the new season of South Park. Two episodes are out. Okay, what was the what's the what's the vibes? I I know the first one was somewhat Kanye related. I know the second one is the second one Prince Harry. Is that the yeah? Okay, take us yeah. to it. I mean, that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was okay. It was fine. Were they all right? They're all right, yeah. I mean, both cases felt a little bit like easy targets in a sense. Well, yeah, yeah. Kanye West is is racist and says horrible things, and Prince Harry and uh, Meghan are 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 kind of like to ask for privacy, but they're fucking all over the place. That that was basically the gist of of both episodes, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, look, they weren't as South Park has been can really whiff at times. I don't think either of them were that, but they weren't biting unique satire either. You know, I, th- I think, like I said, both both of the cases were pretty easy, um, easy targets, and they didn't necessarily do anything too spicy with them. They're they're pretty straightforward. I did. Uh, I saw a clip of the Kanye one, and it was like my like least favorite type of satire which south park in their lowest ebbs is so guilty of and it's just doing the thing right because they had like they had cartman with with his face covered on on a fake reactionary news show and i was like okay you're not giving me any kind of slant on this you're just you just remember remember this from especially because south park's turnaround is so quick remember this from three weeks ago or whatever the fuck it was it's like okay give me a bit more boys come on give me a little bit more other than just having cartman saying there with the thing on his face do you know what i mean um, yeah, they do a little bit more to be fair, but it's not it's not anything uh, super creative. I mean, they're they're perfectly watchable. Yeah, and on Paramount Plus, which I don't use nearly enough. Uh, yeah, it's 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 cool that it's on there same day or next day or something though. That's that is always a bonus. I'm I've started rewatching South Park, but I'm kind of I'm in like season like twelve or thirteen, and it's a bit shit. And I'm kind of like yeah, it, I, I feel like the peak of South Park, or at least it kind of peaks in waves. You have the early days when it had that charm to it, and then I feel like is it season eight nine is very good, very good, and then it kind yeah. of dips again, and then it gets good again around. I stopped watching it for a while. I don't remember when it gets good. Maybe seasons. But yeah, I, I'm definitely on the same wavelength as you. Is like I I I love early South Park because it's it's so endearingly shit. Like it is so <laughs> like you are basically just getting a lot of mileage out of doing silly voices. Do you know what I mean? It's like when Cartman is like inaudible. Like you can't even understand what the fucking character is supposed to be saying. And then yeah, dipped a little bit, resurged a little bit. You know, you had the the anime parody episode and the Warcraft episode, which may be their peak. I mean, that may be their best uh, uh, episode. And then yeah, you kind of get 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 down in the in the in the in the doldrums a little bit where I am now. And I think actually now that I think about it, like I'm I'm recognizing less and less episodes around season thirteen. So I'm like, I think this is where I just completely lost interest and bounced off it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like yeah season. I, the, the years where they were trying to replace Kenny um, were good because I felt like they channeled the early years where they were kind of just doing really sort of childishly stupid but charmingly so childish capers. 
Right. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I'm going to try and get caught up to the new series and, and, and weigh in on it soon. Um, what else have you been watching? Uh, Last of Us and the rest. Oh yeah, how's that? Is that good? And the, and the football. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, I've watched Joe, a couple of TV shows. Um, on. One from a few week, weeks back, uh, we started a three-part documentary series called uh, The US and the Holocaust. Um, which is by good friend Ken Burns, the legendary documentarian yes. who's done so many, so many wonderful documentaries. Um, so it's about the Holocaust, but it's from the perspective of the US and what they kind of did and didn't do in with regards to trying to stop the Holocaust or getting involved in World War II. Um, their kind of isolationist approach and the and really the attitude of people in the US, which was let's not get involved. It's not our problem. It's Europe's problem. We don't really know what's going on. You know, we don't want kind of refugees coming here and lots of kind of parallels with today and, and some of the, some of the political things that are going on. So it's a, it's kind of fascinating. Obviously I'm sure we've all seen like a Holocaust documentary or film before. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't shy away from the just brutality and mm-hmm. the, the, the imagery, which is just very hard to watch. Um, but it's incredibly thorough and incredibly interesting uh, and has lots of kind of interviews with um, survivors, you know, who are still, still alive now. And um, it talks about kind of uh, Anne Frank and her, her family specifically as well and goes into a lot of depth on them that I, I didn't know about. Um, so, yeah, so it was, it was really kind of interesting and, and um, difficult watch, but those Ken Burns documentaries are always good. You know, you're going to get, mm. you're going to get the truth. You're going to get insight. You're going to get just great kind of imagery combined with uh, fascinating narration. So yeah, it was, it was a, a, fan, a fantastic uh, series from him. would recommend that to anyone uh, if, unless you're in the mood for something like, um, so that was very good. And then um, rewatched the first two series of search party. Um, the kind of mystery comedy show that was on a few years back with Alia Shawkat, um, better known as Maybe from Arrested Development. Um, I loved the first series of Search Party. I thought it was really funny and had a really great mystery to it. And it, it held up really well on the rewatch. And then the second season, which I didn't really enjoy when I, when I watched that uh, the first time, I thought it came across a lot better this time. I think I was expecting the kind of a big twist and the same kind of mystery as the first season. And it couldn't really deliver that because it was just, it's very hard act to follow, but I think I enjoyed it much more for the, the sort of storytelling, the tension as they, as the, the events from the first series kind of unfold in the second. And so that's really good. And there's another three seasons of it. I don't, I don't, know what they fill those three seasons with because it's quite a self-contained sort of show but um looking forward to watching those three as well so uh, yeah search party it's all up on iplayer currently all five seasons oh lovely while we're we're re-watching it so very very good Alrighty, that's the telly for the week um, uh, I've been playing a lot of video games at the moment. I'm jumping back into Hades at the moment. Paul, did you ever get into Hades? I can't remember if we ever talked about Hades in the past. You never got into it? No. No, I'm 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 streaming it at the moment. I'm trying to beat it before the second one comes out. That that is a great game. That is, this is my third console playing Hades on. It is it is fantastic. Um, uh, and I was actually able to to blow the dust off my Switch and pull the save off my Switch version. It has cross save stuff, which is nice. Yeah, Hades is great. Um, uh, it's it's one of those ones where I kind of I just wanted to beat it 
in before the second one came out but as i've been playing it i'm like this is great this is great and it's one of those ones where i kind of wish i could play it off air now but i've committed to doing it on stream um it's it's fabulous i mean look it's one it won 70 bajillion game of the year awards in 2020 so i'm i'm yeah, i can only put so many plaudits on it but yeah uh hades fantastic there was a steam demo event um a uh, week ago or a week or two ago where where they put out like 800 demos for upcoming games um i played there's a system shock remake coming out that is the the predecessor the spiritual predecessor for the bioshock games um i started to play system shock one years and years ago and i didn't quite get into it and i don't even know how long this demo is but i booted it up and i was like this looks quite nice seems like a very loyal um update I'm still not into this game, so I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna finish. It. I put about 20 minutes into it, and it was kind of, it was a little bit obtuse, and it was a little bit odd, and and similar to Bioshock, it had a lot going on, but I didn't really love the actual minute to minute shooting. So I was like, this this the people who like this game will like this remake. It looks very nice. It looks very nice. Um, it's retained a lot of its because I don't know what what year that game came out, but it has it has an extremely 90s vision of of, of cyberpunk which is a, in a good way it looks like a companion piece to like the fifth element or something do you know what i mean um and it, it's retained they haven't aesthetically changed a lot of it they've upgraded the the fidelity of it but it still looks like a very 90s cyberpunky computer rpg so uh, yeah if you if you're into that franchise you'll like it uh, i played a game called radio the universe which is kind of a faux zelda a little bit it reminds me a little bit of um um uh, death's door a little bit it's a kind of isometric combat game i think you might actually like it paul it's obviously not out yet and doesn't have a release date but uh very stylized uh, uh kind of zelda like dungeon crawling uh type thing right and then i played tape to tape which is an arcadey uh kind of like a modernization of like nhl 94 on the snes like that kind of era of of um top down hockey game very good very fun it kind of has um a kind of rpg type element as well where you're progressing through a map and uh, in between games, you go to a resort and the resort gives you the choice of, Oh, do you want to buff your everyone's speed or just one character's body checking things like that kind of basic decisions to, to uh, upgrade the, the quality of your play. And the gameplay is extremely arcadey ice hockey, which is good. Uh, so yeah, that's so thumbs up for all three of those. Again, system shocks, not really my thing, but uh, system shock radio, the universe and tape to tape. Uh, the event is over, but the demos are still up, which is good. Um, Xbox do a similar event in the summer, but they pull all the demos down when it's over. And I'm like, okay, if if you publish 500 of them and only give me a week to play them, that, that's a lot of wasted effort. I think Steam ones are, are, are still up. So if you have a, a gaming PC, these are all very, these all seem like very, very modest machines could run them tape to tape, especially. Uh, what I spend most of my time with though was Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, this was the turn-based action game i guess you'd call it from last year that uh kind of came out with a bit of a whimper it it, it it came out and it was decently well reviewed but it didn't seem like it, it hit in any kind of major way uh they had a, a free weekend on on steam this past weekend so I, I plopped it on the old deck and i suppose to sum up straight away how positive i am on it, i put about eight hours into it over the course of the weekend and i bought it so i was i they they hooked me in so their free weekend strategy worked uh, the base game is for sale. You can also buy all the DLC on sale. So they've they've discounted everything pretty heavily. So yeah, it's it's from Firaxis who make the XCOM games. And so basically, it's kind of a a turn based strategy game uh, where you select a, a team of three heroes. You send them into combat, and um, it's a strategy game. And uh, 
you uh, just like XCOM games, you have like a, a, a base that you go back to and uh, you uh, can uh, there's a day night cycle. You can go on one mission a day, but also in the morning you can do research projects. So you go over to Tony Stark, I guess, is versus the generic sort of X-Files sci-fi presentation of XCOM. And you uh, you give him a bunch of resources and he works on a project that makes your characters heal faster or something like that and then and then you go on a mission and then the next morning that research project is done there's also a big social element that is a way bigger element of the game than i was thinking so you're an original character that they invented for this game you can customize it you can look like whoever you want and you basically kind of it's like um it's called the abbey and it's basically like an old converted monastery that all your characters live in and so you kind of you you kind of in between missions you potter around and like I say you go and you you give Tony Stark some research to do and then you go to the the common area and you can like play video games with Blade to build your friendship level with him because if you build your friendship level with certain characters they get boosts in combat if you go out on combat with them and I was kind of like okay that's that's interesting enough I didn't think it was going to get much deeper than that but as the game as I put more and more hours into it it's like okay you can explore the forest area outside the abbey and you can discover like riverside walks and bird watching activities and things like that it's almost very like <laughs> yakuza with how oddball the side quests are so uh, one thing I, I i thought it was mainly going to be like the turn-based strategy game and then similar to xcom you go back to your base and you you upgrade your characters and you you research new weapons and stuff and it's like it's all that but it's there's a the social element is massive you can find these like special areas in the woods that are like really scenic riverside walks but you can only bring one character there and they're like make sure you choose wisely because you will not be able to bring anyone else bird watching so if you go bird watching with dr strange you can't go there with blade and it's like it's way more elaborate than i was thinking there's um there's um uh a it's like it's like it's like a almost like a high school type something there there are clubs that meet at certain points and you can join in in club activities so dr strange and um uh, this character magic who's like a like a like a less lower tier x-men character they they go off and they do various magic based experiments in the woods and they'll invite you and you can choose to go or choose not to go because maybe you want to do something else with your time and i'm like this is like uh, this is way deeper than i was expecting to go but it's actually surprisingly compelling like it's like you've you've only got x amount of things you can do in a day before you have to go to bed and then do another story mission so you have to pick and choose do i want to uh, associate with this character do i want to befriend them your character has a classic RPG light and dark meter. You can be a good guy or you can't really be a bad guy, but you can be a little bit of an anti-hero. Um, so it's very complex. I was surprised they did a free weekend because I was like, how long can this game be? Apparently it's like 60 hours long. Like it's super long, you know, to, to allow you to play with all the options. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Like I said, I think the social element is interesting. The combat is really good. Again, these are the guys who who, who made XCOM, which is super acclaimed and super beloved. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. I think the only negatives on it are it doesn't look very nice. It looks like an Xbox 360 game, um, which is which is it, it looks bad. Like I wouldn't even say it doesn't look great. I would say it looks bad. That's the one. And the other problem is that they do all that social stuff, and that's a huge part of this game. But a lot of the writing is extremely MCU. It's extremely MCU. And it's kind of like there's kind of two divisions of characters. Like the Midnight Suns are basically this like slightly mystical order of witches and and magicians and stuff. And when you're talking to them, it's a little bit like you're playing like fake Skyrim because you're going into the woods and you're meeting these characters at an altar and they're like, oh, you've brought the 
book of yarn duh. Uh, let's read it. And then you go into the Abbey and you give Tony Stark a research project and he's like, uh, okay, I guess I'll get this on. Uh, that was easy. Mm, next. And I'm just like, okay. All right. uh, can, it, can we find a middle ground between these two, please? Because it's, it's, extre- like it's, it's extremely that. It's extremely that, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, very pleasantly surprised with, um, with Midnight Suns. I'll, I'll report back on it. As I said, it seems quite long. Um, I'll probably be checking in and out of it uh, over the next few weeks. But um, yeah, very good. Very pleasantly surprised. Um, and that's been what I've been playing for most of this week. Uh, what about you, Paul? What have you been playing? I've been playing God of War, Barry. I'm still playing it. And oh, yeah. Oh, my God, is it long. It's a long game, which I don't help by doing loads of side missions. And stuff well, that's like it. That, that's it, you know. See, every time it brings you to a moment where it's like, well, you can go back to Sindri's house or you can take the mystery box. And so give me that option. I'll always take it. So I, I, I the other day, just ended up doing two and a half hours of play. Didn't advance the story whatsoever. So I'm, I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway through the game. I'm 17 hours in. Jesus. Um, I've just reached the point where... Uh, little little Atreus goes runs off on his own. Mm. Um, so I estimate I'm probably halfway through it. But God, it's a slow process, which I don't I don't mind. But I I am now at a point where I'm like maybe I won't, maybe next time I won't do the side thing. I'll just fucking get this finished because I feel like I'm playing it for I'm playing it for two months. But it's hard to say no to the side thing as well because you don't want to feel like you're missing out. Also, I feel like it's such a common thing in the in these AAA games where people are like oh no don't skip that. That's the good side quest. That's where all. That's where the amazing thing happens. Like, well, how am I supposed to know? There's seven million side quests. I've seen. I've seen a couple of big, big old jellyfish boys, and they were nice. Um, so yeah, still tipping my way through it. Uh, still playing GoldenEye 007 on the Xbox. Yeah, how far into that are you? I've got. I'm on the bottom row of levels. Okay, so you're. Yeah, you're all right. You're nearly there. Playing on Double O Agent, and let me tell you, is that game? That game is quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> I so you so you 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 feel like has that di- difficulty negated the ease you get with the modern controls? No, no, it's 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 uh, it's it's satisfyingly difficult. Okay. Oh no, no I I wasn't saying this is not yeah. it, but it does it does it because I I'm just playing on Agent. I haven't played it in a couple of days, but I'm like blitzing no, you're, through. You're it. you're breezing through. You're yeah. mowing through. Yeah. Everything. So yes, to your question, then yes. Um, because the the difficulty is obviously as you know with time spinners, you have more objectives you have to do. Which is which is which I love because on agent, you're kind of not really experiencing the game in a sense. It, 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 with agent mode, it's definitely more of a just get to the end of the level, right? Type of yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also with double O agent, you you do less damage, you take less damage, you pick up less ammo, so you have to be a lot smarter about how you play it, which makes you better at it because you're you're relying on hitting headshots a lot more. You're not just spraying your ammo everywhere. Uh, it's tough though. Some of the levels are really, really enemy intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the silo level where you, there's like a hundred enemies in it, and you just open a door, and there's ten lads with rifles shooting at you. Uh, the train level, the same, and there is a little bit of um, the the technology of the time working against you on some levels because you obviously have the the fog, which allows you know, items to be loaded in further on. But also, sometimes the enemies can see you before you can see them in the fog. So you have to be very smart about 
peeping out behind, over around a, around a door or or over a box or whatever. Conversely, some of the some of the levels are quite easy if you know what you're doing. But yeah, I'm I'm on the I'm on the control level now. I just did the right. jungle. Um, so I have control, caverns, and cradle left in the main story. And then by virtue of beating it on secret agent, you unlock the Aztec level. And beating it on double O agent, you get the Egypt level. So I'll I'll beat all the levels in the game. I think there's 20, is it 25 levels? Give or yeah. take. And you, 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 you have to beat them on that difficulty because they removed the cheats from the Xbox version. Or the cheats are still in there, but the button prompts to, to just get them immediately yeah, are you, gone. You're gone. But I, 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 I was originally going to try and unlock all the cheats as well. Mm. But I'm kind of not for Some of the levels are too hard to... And I talked about the other week where it's like RNG as well, and I'm just not fussed. No, yeah, you, you're fun. you're going through on a high enough difficulty that you can hold your head high once you. And get also, when it. you play the level the first time, you can't enable the cheats. Right. Anyway, yeah, you, ha- you have to beat it normally before you can play that level with cheats. Right. So, so what's what's kind of the point of having the cheats then? If I just I just care about beating the game. Hmm. Um. But no, I'm still really really enjoying it. It's a it's a nice little throwback. You know, because the enemies are, are a little bit more bullet sponges, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a Halo or Call of Duty where it's just one one to the right. head and they're done. You, 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 some, some of the, on Double O Agent, some of the enemies are taking seven or eight shots with the old little handgun. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Um, you haven't, definitely. No one? Well, definitely on, on Double O Agent as well, the, the noise your gun makes plays a, a much bigger part as well. Really? Enemies, yeah, yeah. And if that's, I never understood the point of like the silencer gun. Hmm. But yeah, enemies can hear you if you shoot with with the the louder guns, and they'll they'll come running. Okay. I, I maybe on agent they don't do that. No, no, they they do, but it doesn't really matter because you're playing. Oh, yeah, you're just blowing them away. You're, anyway. you're still blowing them away anyway. I was gonna. Uh, oh, I was gonna say you haven't touched the Switch version at all, have you? I played it very briefly. Okay, and you were done. <laughs> doesn't seem yeah. like the way to go. Those controls don't work for me, brother. No, I will say now, you mentioned uh, you mentioned um, uh, just uh, as a brief aside. You mentioned time splitters. Oh my god, I got to the fucking obligatory stealth section in time splitters this week. Holy shit, I was losing <laughs> my fucking mind. It was horrible. Yeah. Oh my god, and there's like, and there's a bunch of timing stuff based on it. Get through the lasers. Oh my god, and then there's the level with the diffuse, the bombs, and yeah. it's funny because. You can trace the DNA of those levels to Goldeneye. It's super similar. It's kind of like, no, no, idiot. Go up and just trigger the scientist to go and do the objective, you fool. You fucking idiots. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know this? Oh, I was pulling my hair out. I hope I've got three levels left. I hope the last three are bangers. I will uh, say, when I went back to replay Time Splitters, there's a reason why I played it on, I forget what the difficulty is, but the, the equivalent of agent difficulty. Um, because yeah, I I unlocked everything. I I still have the save on my little GameCube memory card, which I still have. I I've unlocked ninety nine point nine percent. I've ninety nine point nine nine percent completion of that game. Nice. There's there's one of the uh, arcade things I could never beat, which is 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 one where you're, I think it's the you're on the bridge in the dam where you find the helicopter, and you just have enemies running at you from. I think they're oh, yeah, they they yeah. I, I, uh, I can never beat that one. 
I I struggled with I'm playing I'm playing on normal difficulty. I'm str- I struggled with with that like just playing it through on the story mode because I was like, all right, all right, fight. This is a boss fight. Take out the helicopter. Oh no, dudes are just coming out of the side of the little area. And oh man, I mean it's cool. I'm really liking it. But I co- I had a couple of levels there where where I was like, Jesus Christ, the music is great though. I mean that, well, I, that I, I never lost their their knack for oh, music. Fucking. Graham Norgate and Grant Kirkhope, absolute legends. Uh, but I uh, there's a bit in the train level where. You 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 get fucking killed every time because you you open the carriage and there's nine lads with with machine guns. You finally get to the end, and you have a bit where it's like uh, Natalia has to on the computer to find out where Boris Boris's password is, and you're using the watch thing to cut the the little panel in the bottom of the train to jump out and run. But every time I did it, she doesn't crack the password enough time, and then the train explodes. So you get to the very end of the level, you've done all the objectives, bah, Natalia died, you lose. And it doesn't it doesn't give you any indication, but if you get to the end of the level and you have the Urumov, Zenya on top, and Alec Trevelyan, and you, you shoot Urumov, you kill him. That's when he, he dies in the game. The shutter comes down, and then that's when you start to think. If you shoot uh, Zenya, there's an extra line of dialogue where she goes, Oh, Alec, I'm hurt or whatever. And oh, that really? Gives, that gives you enough time to do the password crack and get out. But there's no indication of that anywhere in the game, yeah. or that you should do that, or if or if you don't do it, that you're fucked. So I had to, I found that by looking it up that oh, you have to shoot her and then you have enough time. And then first time I did it, I, I, I passed level. But like that train level, I must have tried some of these levels honestly 25 times before i beat it yeah they're not it's that, they're not it's that kind of game yeah it, they're not for you there's actually a, a good point i can't remember what podcast i was listening to that one of the differences between this and the full-on remake the cancelled remake was uh and this is a, a tiny example of how kind of like not user-friendly this game is in the remake apparently they put um little uh, uh halos little little uh glowing things around like key cards because i remember this going back to when i was a kid right you, the key cards are on like random soldiers and you might go into a room and blow them all away and not notice the key, especially on a fucking shitty little CRT back in the day, notice the key card go flying. That's still in this game. Like, like, like I got to a door, it's like, you don't have the key card. It's like, who the fuck knows where it is in this level? Because it's so, sometimes it's typically in the same room, but it can, there, there, sometimes there's RNG on which soldier drops it. And whereas like in the, it, when they full on remade it, they added halos. And I think a map also to that game. I can't remember. I never, I never actually played it. Whereas in this, it's the old school kind of a, a tiny little PNG comes off one enemy in one room. And if you miss it, brother, Oh buddy, you are shit out of luck. Goes flying, clips to a wall. Clips to a wall or gets stuck behind a crate or something. Oh, video games. No, but, you know, luckily the levels are all quite short. Like, when you get a successful run, you're beating the level in five minutes. It's just, it might take you an hour and a half of tries before you do it. Which which is is great in a sense. It's definitely, you're learning the levels. You're learning enemy patterns and okay i know when i turn this this corner there's two guys behind crates one guy over there and the game is very generous in letting you peek before they start shooting at you if you mm-hmm. go far you 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 get shot but you can peek and just pew, 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 and then go a little bit further pew, 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 and, and almost stealth it to an extent but then there's also like um turret guns and and, and stuff like that and cameras they have to be careful of because the camera as well i know in 007 there are more cameras and if a camera sees you, that alarm's going off and people are going to run and kill you. So you have to be really 
smart about it. It's a very, very tough game, but very fun. So almost at the end, knock on wood, four more, four more levels to go, five more levels to go. And, uh, and the other game I played was a little game on the Game Boy, baby. Uh, just via I, the magic of the Nintendo Switch Online? Via the magic of the Nintendo Switch Online. I played and beat in one sitting Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins. Yeah, I forgot how short that was until I, I revisited it recently. That's a, you, can, you can blitz that game for sure. For an hour and a half, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm the only person who played it this week, am I? No, I played um, I played Joe. that. Uh, for the first time, I played Super Mario Land on the Game Boy back in the day. Never played this. Never played two, so it's it's, it's good. It's a bit different. It's yeah. Discovering a whole new game, so I had fun with it so far. Uh, also played Tetris, um, which was fun, um, but I could I only played four games, and my wrists were killing me because <laughs> I'm I'm four years old. I can't yeah. play games for more than ten minutes anymore. I mean, I love where we're in a world now where you can play Game Boy games with like a Switch Pro controller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say Mario Land 2 on this, this must be my, maybe my fifth, fifth or sixth playthrough of it. I think I was a little over, over-egged it last week where I was like, it's it's one of the great mm. 2D Mario games. It, it's pretty good. I will say it's Mario controls a little bit, a little slow in it. it yeah, life. yeah. Um. There's way fewer levels that I remember it being, albeit it's a Game Boy, but I, I, I didn't remember, like, you open a world and there's, like, three levels and a boss. <laughs> I remember there being more, more to it. Um, but it has a weird, unique charm. It almost feels like it was developed by a different team. I, I don't know if that's yeah. the case or not. But. I, think it's also, it's, I think it's also a bit... It's a little bit more stylish than the original Super Mario Land because I feel like definitely the sprites have way more personality. The music is great for sure. Uh, the original Super Mario Land it really looks kind of like hey, we just got this thing called it's, it's, the Game Boy. It's, and it's Super Mario Bros. translated to yeah, Game like Boy. and we're like and like we we don't quite know how far we can push this thing, so it's like incredibly rudimentary. Uh, Super it Mario. It, Bros. It, it almost feels like Mario Land and Mario Land Two are. It's almost like an NES Super Nintendo. It almost feels like it's on a different generation. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I mean, because uh, I I love the way Six Golden Coins looks. So I played it a couple of um, months ago on on a little handheld Android uh, thing I got there. Um, and so uh, what I'm actually playing at the moment is I'm playing. Uh, technically, it's subtitled Super Mario Land Three. I'm playing Wario Land at the moment. Um, right. And that feel and those two games feel very similar. Like Six Golden Coins and Wario Land actually feel twinned. Do you know what I mean? And then Super mm. Mario Land One is this kind of weird little launch game boy thing that feels kind of different for sure. Yeah. But I like it. it's, 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 it's got very little mushroom kingdomness to it. It's definitely yeah. feels like yeah. it exists in its own world. You have all the different, um, worlds, which obviously if Joe hasn't played them all, I won't spoil them for him, but I like that there's, uh, the variety of worlds isn't just fire world, water world, forest world. There's, there's kind of more thought put into it than that. Um, but yeah, like I said, control-wise, I found it a little, um, a little slow, a little unresponsive. Very easy to cheese as well. If you you, you get the rabbit power up and you're just floating your way through the levels, it, it makes it a little too. It, it's a really easy game. It's really easy as well. Um, I like it maybe to be a little bit trickier, a little bit trickier. Yeah. And there are, there are secret uh, exits in it, akin mm-hmm. to Mario World. But unlike Mario World, I don't think there's great reward for uh finding them necessarily but yeah 
it's a, it's it's definitely a fun little game. You can beat it pretty quickly, and uh, it's got one of the, one of the all time best uh, antagonists as well. Ah, yes, lovely little game, lovely little game. Um, and that's all I've been playing. That's uh, a the... mm-hmm. that's what I say. No, that's a, a big old a big old game golf. Do you want to go into the the music? The music, yeah. Well, I gave a very a glowing review last week to the uh, the new We Are Scientists album, which I listened to four more times this week. Nice, it's great. It's it, it it's it's a, a perfect uh, pop indie rock blast of happiness and very danceable, very listenable. Um, and this week I listened to Iggy Pop's new record, which is called looks it up every loser uh iggy pop's an interesting one i've never really listened to much of his stuff i know obviously the hits the stooges uh you know you got the pretender and uh what's the other one called lust lust for life, lust for yeah, life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you know um so he's got a new one out and i gotta say i've given it three listens through and it's another big thumbs up for me Two weeks in a row, two cracking albums. Nice. Iggy's an interesting one because he's obviously he's obviously a, a character that people are aware of, but the album is very uh, varied. There's bits where he's very he's almost like a a, a reminiscing old raconteur in the in the mold of like a, a Johnny Cash or a Leonard Cohen, and he's kind of crooning it along with his Tom Waits voice, and he's a do 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 do. And then there's bits where he's like, it's like rocking, man. And he's he's he almost sounds like like Axl Rose almost. He's got like a, a very high pitched kind of raspy singing voice. And then there's bits where he's he's doing a very deep, um, almost like sixty nine eyes or or lacrimous profound kind of almost Scandinavian rock sound to it. And then there's bits where there's 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 one song that sounds like it has uh, the bass line from Foo Fighters Everlong with like uh, Johnny Marr Smith's chords over, over the top of it, which mm. makes a very interesting sound as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the what's interesting about it is, like I said, I, I think he he uh, collaborated with the same producer who did the Eddie Vedder album last year that I really liked, and the uh, Ozzy Osbourne album last year, which I didn't really like. So it's definitely a pop foundation to it. And the songwriting kind of relies on, on, on catchy choruses and, and, and stuff like that. I will say that the lyrics are very interesting in that there's some that are so profoundly stupid that I kind of couldn't help but be charmed by them. Um, the first song on the album is called Frenzy. And let me read out some of the, the, the lyrics here for you. Oh, no. Uh, so keep in mind, how old is Iggy Pop? 75 at least. At least, right? Iggy Pop is... Uh, <laughs> we're just gonna, you see, he's 75. You, you got exactly right. Um, so you might think, you know, he like, like there are some songs where, where the lyrics are, are, are actually quite beautiful and, and he's he's reflective and he is, like I said, boring on kind of Leonard Cohen style, style sound. And then you have Frenzy, uh, the first line of which is, got a dick and two balls, that's more than you all. Uh, and the chorus is, I'm in a frenzy, you fucking prick. I'm in a frenzy, you goddamn dick. I'm in a frenzy, you stone douchebag. And hate that I feel, oh, is so real. Which is almost like uh, 
13 year old Iggy Pop might have written that, you know? And yet, the way he delivers it with such gusto, you kind of can't help but kind of enjoy it. Like, normally, if, if I listen to it, like, I've listened to quite a few albums that have had just dreadful lyrics, and I'm like, oh, roll my eyes at it. But here, I don't know, coming out of Iggy, it kind of kind of worked somehow. But yeah, I mean, again, a short album, 36 minutes, I think, and uh, quite a few bops on it. So again, two weeks in a row, I'll give We Are Scientists a big recommendation. I'll give Iggy Pops and you a big recommendation as well. Nice. Um, well, hmm. I've been continuing my album of the week uh, reviews. This week was uh, Full Whack No Breaks by the Bad Boy Chiller Crew. Uh, I, don't, I don't, you guys know them, obviously I don't need to introduce them, but if, if anybody doesn't know them, they're a kind of Bradford-based uh, collective kind of rap but that kind of uh uk rap where it's over like house dance kind of baseline music like a grime drill N- no, no no not even remotely that okay. um they're what you what they what is called chava music um now i'm i'm led to believe from my source is urban dictionary so don't take this with a pinch of salt but chava is a kind of newcastle northeast term equivalent to kind of a chav or a ned or a that kind of, that kind of like people that drive around in flash cars getting into trouble with the police you know I and mean, that's kind of what it means so that's if you go onto spotify you can look up i think it's um chava nights or something like that and this 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 is on there and anyway i came across it like last year and i was like oh, that's pretty good so i decided to listen to the whole album 11 tracks on it i would say nine of them are about driving a four by four and getting into chases with the police or selling drugs. And the other two are about relationships. Um, I'll I'll give you an example of uh, some of the lyrics here. So, so just, you know, listen in big boy tracks, get back, big boy bats, get wrapped blue lights, flash (laughs) pedal goes flat, black tower S3 DSGs mad PC plonker drives like my granddad. Dust got kicked up, car went sideways. I'm game for the graft, but it's got to go my way. Sham's not trying to get another court date, but I'm trying to put food on my family's plate. Um, I mean, it's quite poetic, but... Um, and I relate to it. Yeah, and I relate to it. I mean, this is the thing, obviously. So I I, lo- I really like this album because I, I just like that kind of music. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I don't drive and I don't really like cars. And I've certainly never been in like a chase with the police or anything. Well, um, that we know of, you know, that you know of, but uh, for some reason, I just really like that music, and I've been listening to it all week, and it's it's very fast, very kind of intense. Um, yeah, a <laughs> big big thumbs up for the the BBCC as the, as they're known. Uh, if you wanted to check out one of their tracks, go for four fifty, which is one of their their hits. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up the 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 Chitter Boys on oh, yeah. uh, on Google Images here, and you know, images and everything. So, uh, <laughs> there he comes here he comes it's about the music it's all right the, yeah yeah it's about, i mean truly beauty is is only skin deep <laughs> the, these are three of the ugliest men i've ever seen he's <laughs> <laughs> having a go what the fuck Wait, oh listen it's mcmahon over here <laughs> he wouldn't have put sammy over either <laughs> he wants to be careful they'll come by in the, the blacked out uh you know bmw four by four no they get stopped chasing, at the border don't worry about it they'll be chasing paul up and down uh killed yeah no i mean 
I, I, I wouldn't do him. I wouldn't do him anyway. Um, <laughs> just look at him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, some 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 diabolically faced gentleman there. Um, right, moving on before I get murdered. Murdered. Go on by these uh, handsome these hill- men. By these hillbillies. No. I- <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen. We'll the bad it. boy chiller crew is is a great name, though. I'll give him oh, now he's changed his tune. Oh, now he's in. Now I'm butter. It's the old thing, you know. It's the, the old sandwich thing. You give the big bad news, and then you get the good news. He doesn't want to get wet up, is what is the kids say. That's what the, that's what he's afraid of. You yeah, little, yeah. you little oik. Anyway, yeah. when when the blue flights la- flashing, Paul goes dashing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so thumbs up on that, Joe. Big thumbs up. Excellent. Okay, I might check that out. Sounds like Big my thumbs jam. up the boys. <laughs> Shut up. From Bradford. Uh, um, anyway, that's going to do it for the show this week. A big, big whopper show this week. Uh, lots to chat about. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more Revolution build. Um, uh, more more game guff, more more Last of Us, and 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 the various other bits and bobs you've come to expect from the CSP boys. Uh, thanks again to Will our, for our email. If anyone wants to email a quiz or just a random thought, you want to weigh in on wrestling, or you got a Last of Us take, or you want to tell us what albums you're listening to, you can do that. Chairshoppodcast.com. Fill out the little form. Don't need to be faffing about with your email client. Just pop us a, a wee little message there, and we'll read it out on the show. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you for. 13 fucking years can you believe it boys yeah we can drink can now. you believe it and and thank <laughs> and uh thank you to you both as well for for coming on this journey uh i think we've i think we've uh we, we've created something we'd be happy of and i'll tell you what during the week uh, uh i mean the the chair shop podcast account reposted our original artwork it's fair to say we, we always had graphic design in mind i mean yeah. it, it, it was always a uh, you know we think it's both audio and visual um uh so that sure. one that i drew up i think in ms paint um <laughs> uh and i, I well, you wouldn't know to look at this you go what? no barry you didn't sure. not really anyway uh thank you everyone for if you've been with us for a while or you're relatively new we greatly appreciate you listening and uh, we'll chat to you again next week so it's uh goodbye from me it's goodbye from joe goodbye and it's goodbye from paul thank you barry thank you joe